And we are live. We are live. The Hunt for Success. Cody Steinman, Ryan McCracken, Ed Herman on the show today. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. Absolutely. This is fun. Um, so Wikipedia, how, how up to date is Wikipedia? Do you know, Ryan, does it up like if you fought, fought today, <clears throat> will it show up on Wikipedia? A lot of times for that type of stuff, yes. But some of the other information is a little outdated sometimes. Can you submit like... This um, is incorrect, you know? I'm sure you can. I think about anybody can, actually. Yeah, I think anybody can can add info and comments to it and whatnot. So, um, uh, Ryan and I are both, but especially me, a huge UFC fan. Um, MMA in general. Not an expert, okay? So, um, uh, I definitely want to talk about your career and what's going on and, and your training right now. You're in, you're in camp, is that correct? Yep, yep. I just signed for a fight coming up in May. But the, the main reason I'm excited to have you on the show is uh, we talk a lot about, obviously, success on this show, right? And to get um, a perspective from somebody in a completely different field on what success means to them and how overcoming, observe, uh, 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 overcoming uh, adversity, uh, how that can be applied to what people are doing in their business, I think that it, sometimes seeing it from a perspective completely outside your industry can be more powerful than seeing somebody in your industry overcoming adversity or having levels of success. So I'm really excited to try to make a correlation between those two. Uh, so uh, why don't we start off by uh, talking about your next fight? Okay, sounds good. Um, yeah, we just signed uh, for May 18th against uh, Patrick Cummings in Rochester, New York. So, and this is light heavyweight? Yep, light heavyweight. Um, good matchup for me. He's a Division One wrestler. Uh, he's an older guy like myself, so I'm not fighting like a 21-year-old out of Dagestan or something. And you're 38, which is, which is pretty old in the, in, the, in the MMA, correct? You know, really in any sport, I think 38's old. Yeah, it, <laughs> but, uh, as far as professionals go. Yeah, but I feel like in MMA, it's probably the more accepted or seen more because the sport has kind of established itself later than some yeah. of the other big sports. So, you know, guys like Randy Couture, you know, some of these guys didn't start doing this until they were in their 30s. Um, you know, I didn't start till I was, you know, 21 or so. Now you see kids who are 18 who've been mm -hmm. doing it since they were two. Yeah. Well, and it seems like lately in, in the UFC, uh, we've seen a lot of fights where there's someone in their late 30s fighting someone in their early 20s. And it's kind of exciting to watch the experience versus the youth, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, do you consider yourself in your prime still? Um, I'm probably not physically in my prime. Um, you know, mentally, I think I am still because, you know, a lot of people don't reach their financial prime until they're older. So yeah. that means your brain is, you know, uh, working better or, you know, more efficiently. So I'm trying to train smarter, fight smarter, do things smarter so that I can still compete, you know, when my body's maybe not the same as it was. Mm -hmm. uh, how important is this next fight? Um, they're all important, man. They're all important. This one's pretty important because after this, I'll be up for a contract negotiation, um, whether I want to resign or become a free agent. Mm -hmm. So that's always important. You want to win your last fight before you go into negotiation so you can get paid more. Yeah. Um, again, as I'm getting older, each one could be my last. You know, if I lose, they could just say, see you later, you know. 
Uh, and that can come at any time. You see that happen with, with young guys as well. Uh, feel like I always lay it down on the line. So they like having me around. I feel like I'm an entertaining guy. And Absolutely. I have on the card. So <clears throat> whether they tune in to watch me, you know, or not, they're going to see a great fight if they're watching that card. Absolutely. Uh, I have a quick question. Speaking of uh, like contract negotiations and stuff, uh, how important do you think like being on the Ultimate Fighter and your relationship with Dana and kind of probably getting to know him better, maybe than somebody just coming up through the ranks and not being on that show? How do you think that relationship piece impacts you know your just the relationship with Dana and contracts and all that? I think it does a little bit, but at the same time, it's a cutthroat business. So if I'm not entertaining, then I'm not, I'm not relevant. It doesn't matter. I do have a relationship with Dana, and he's told me in the past, I'll always keep you around no matter what. Like earlier in my career, I had lost a couple fights, and I was like, oh, please don't cut me. And he's like, dude, I will always keep you on contract. You, If you keep fighting like you do, you lay it all out there. So he said that, but, you know, he's not going to let me fight till I'm 50 and go out there and get, sure. you know. He's got to protect his fighters, right? Absolutely. Eh, he's protecting his pocketbook probably more than his <laughs> fighters, but, you know, I I get it. I feel like we have enough of a relationship where he's always been honest with me, and that's always yeah. nice when your boss is honest with you and doesn't BS you. So, well, uh, Ryan and I were in Vegas uh, at the at the hard at the Red Rock uh, Casino, yeah. and uh, we were in the lobby. We were there for a conference, and we were sitting there. And Dana, I saw Dana White walk down the steps, so I I got up and was like, "Hey, Dana," and walked over and started talking to him. Uh, super nice guy uh, to take the time to talk to. Too. Uh, people he has no idea, you know. And so uh, Ryan comes over, start talking to him, and and obviously we're going to drop that we went to high school, the same high school as Ed Herman. Nice. And I'll never forget, he looked at us and goes, Ed Herman, that's a bad motherfucker. <laughs> ah, that's awesome. <laughs> that's good to hear. I'm sure a few people from high school think the same thing. Yeah. Well, um, it's so awesome being able to, to have a local guy, like from our hometown and from our high school, at competing at such a high level. And... Uh, I mean, what do you think? It seems like the outsiders that don't understand MMA don't realize that these are trained killers in a ring. And it is at the absolute peak, not only peak in the sport, but peak at the time. It seems like there's more talent and more, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the fighters now are not like the fighters when UFC started. I mean, these are people that at the absolute pinnacle of MMA. Yeah, pretty much. If you're in the UFC, everybody's an all-rounder. Yeah, these days, especially, you know, like you said, 10, 12, 15 years ago, a lot of those guys wouldn't last a minute in, in the octagon with anybody on the roster these days. Um, and you just see, um, you know, the development of the fighters. you got athletes who could be football players, maybe used to be football players, and mm -hmm. they're now competing yeah. in MMA. So you're seeing these elite athletes it's not just tough guys like me anymore like i got some athletic ability but most of mine is just because i'm tough as hell you sure. know and and work ethic and you know everything else but there's just some phenomenal athletes now these days and it's kind of it's kind of scary to see how athletic some of these guys are well and it, it isn't all about the money either right because uh i was reading an article uh on one website that you, you uh, did that talked about uh the financial side of fighting and really there's only a few people at the level of uh mcgregor and those guys that are getting paid hundreds of millions right absolutely but it's nice to see that 10 years ago there was no one making millions yeah i think uh the first person i heard about making a million was george st pierre about 10 years ago and it was like wow 
you know, and then you can see us like on the bottom line on the ESPN channel, you know, how it yeah. runs by little things like that, you know, you started to see. And so the sports, you know, legitimizing itself in front of all of our eyes over the last 10, 12 years. Um, yeah, I can't say enough about how much has changed. I never expected it to get this big. Yeah, I mean, because it's not just people that are uh, that like to go out and be athletes or or work out or uh, take martial arts themselves. Because that kind of used to be the audience, right? Now you got guys like me and my dad who aren't into martial arts but love watching the UFC. So you're getting some of those outsider fans. Yeah, absolutely. And again, if you know somebody, that always helps. There's a lot of people who. Like, oh, I don't like that. But then as soon as they know somebody personally and they got that connection, it changes everything. They're the, the crazy mom screaming at the TV. <laughs> yeah. The same mom who went, oh, I can't believe you're watching that. or You know what I mean? So it's pretty awesome to see uh, when when fans or, or people who aren't generally fans of the sport or, or that type of uh, competition, you know, um, who fall in love with it. And they realize that we are, you know, true – athletes who work hard and are super passionate about you know what we're doing it's not just a bunch of knuckleheads yeah so uh you mentioned that uh you have some kids and a wife right how yes, old are your kids yes. so i have twins they just turned 11 a boy and a girl um so super busy with them softball for my daughter wrestling for my son awesome and then we have a teenage daughter who's 16 and that is a whole nother handful um, she's a good kid but you know I was 16 once too. So, yeah. so uh, do they watch your fights? They watch. Uh, yeah, my wife usually has like people over or she'll go to some family's house and watch. Um, they don't usually come live. Um, they'll stay at home kind of with the support yeah. system that we have. And the kids watch a little bit, but they're off playing with their cousins and stuff too. Um, this last fight, I think they actually watch more than any of the others because they're getting a little older now. Sure. Well, they grew up with it, so it's not... Yeah, it's, yeah, since they've been born, I've been doing it, yeah. you know, on TV. So it's like a normal thing. Um, so you you you're on a uh, this fight is important because your last three fights you lost, right? Absolutely. So that's the other thing. I've lost three in a row. It's yeah. the first time I've ever lost three in a row in my career. So that's you know I try not to think about that, but yeah, absolutely. I need to get a W. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> kind of talk about the mental side of it. You know. Try not to put too much pressure on yourself for a lot. You know, yeah. it's easy to do when you're when you compete. You know, no matter what your sport is, you get nervous, all that stuff. But it's the outside pressure. For me, you know, financially is one of the things maybe that's causing a lot of the pressure because I'm getting a little bit older. Uh -huh. And with my contract, it's it's double when you win. So you get a certain amount to show up, and you get twice as much to win. So that is a big big difference financially. Um, but and I try I try to just keep it loose and not let it affect me. And you're eligible for like fight of the night and all those bonuses on top of that, right? Right. So you can go from making, you know, one number to three, four times that. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's kind of like I'm a professional gambler. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to put it for sure. Um, what about the mental side of losing? You know, that's tough. You got to, uh, you got to just know. You know, if you go out there, just like I tell my wrestlers in high school that I coach, you just got to try your hardest. Go out there and try your hardest. You you work as hard as you can to get ready. You go out there and try your hardest, and then that's all there is, man. Your family's still going to love you. The people who matter are still going to be there for you. Um, so, you know, it, you chose this path. You get to do this. You get to go out there and enjoy this. People 
people wish they had the balls to step in, whether yeah. it's an octagon or just the circle in the middle of the wrestling mat. So do you have people outside or or coaches that are helping you with that part, helping to remind you of that? Um, yes, and a lot of it's just my own thoughts that I've tried to to harness in because you can be the the baddest dude in the world, but if you're mentally not there, you know, you're going to have a hard time winning a fight. A lot of times both guys are trained equally. We know the same moves. We're in good shape, but who's there ready mentally? Have you, have you had times where you've lost and you, you've seen that the, maybe one of the reasons you lost is because of your mindset? Absolutely. Yes. If you go in there doubting yourself at all, you know, your chances go way down to win. Maybe somehow you still can sometimes, but if you go out, if you go out there unconfident, I mean, or like you have an injury or something like that, just something that just so, throws you off a little, right? Yeah, that can lead to you know you being you know not confident as well. You got an injury, so you weren't able to train as hard. You're not in as good a shape as you want to be, mm-hmm. you know. And unfortunately, again, we're not making those big bucks where we have guaranteed contracts. If you get hurt, sometimes you got to finish camp and fight anyway because you know you need the money. Yeah. So if if the sport had more money, do you think that that would be? a good thing because then people are fighting for a different reason um, if there were guarantees there or does having that not having that guarantee does that make it a little more edgy i think I mean, both right yeah you know you see it in other sports where guys get that fat fat contract and then they're never the same right they're like i'm set for life i don't have to even you know i did all the work mm-hmm. um so yeah it keeps you hungry obviously when you you know you know you got to go out there and perform to get paid um but at the same time, it's hard because we put our bodies on the line day in and day out in training. You know what I mean? That's where a lot of the injuries happen. So you could work your butt off for six weeks, and then you get injured, tear your knee out, you can't fight. Yeah. There's no compensation. Hopefully you got some good sponsors to help you out a little bit, but that's still hard to come by these days. It, has the sponsorship changed with this whole Reebok deal? I mean, do you, is it easier or harder to get sponsors now compared to back when you could have them on your shorts? And So it's absolutely changed a ton. Um, and yeah, it's harder to get sponsors because they don't get that. They want that logo on your shorts when you're yeah. fighting on pay-per-view or national TV, um, on your banner, all that. But with social media, you know, there's still a lot of options now, and that's the way that it's turned. So everybody who's doing sponsors outside of the UFC, it's all about you know, your social media presence and things you can do outside of the cage, um, you know, which is tough. That's a lot to learn being 38 years old as well, I'm behind the game. If I was 22, you grow up with social media and all that stuff at your fingers, so it's a little easier. So it's been a learning process for me. Um, But with being a vet and the Reebok pay going by, uh, you know, your tenure, I'm doing all right with the Reebok pay. I'm making as much, if not more, than I was. So I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that some of the Reebok money went to the fighters. Yeah, so we get paid based on tenure. If you have over 20 fights, you get a certain amount. If you're fighting for the title as a challenger, you get more. If you're the champ, you get more. And then um, it goes down in tiers. I think it's like, you know, um, 20 through 15 or 20 through 16, 15 through 11, you know, one through five, whatever. There's different tiers of how much you get paid. So the lower tiered guys, they're the ones who got screwed and were upset about it because they're a super popular guy. Maybe they're undefeated. They're 3-0 in the UFC. They got all these big sponsors wanting to pay them money, but they're stuck with the $2,500 they have to take from Reebok. Um, 
But at the same time, I don't feel too bad for him because I put my time in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you have. So you've been in since 2003. And before that, you're Strike Force? Nope, nope. Uh, I was, you know, local, came up on the local scene, did some regional stuff. And then uh, I got on the Ultimate Fighter in 2005 or early 2006. Um, and then when the UFC bought Strike Force, you know, I was halfway into my UFC career. Um, they, uh, they were having their very last card, but it was owned under Zufa and UFC. And there's a guy named Jacques Array, Yeah. And uh, nobody would fight him. They called me and said, hey, we've had 10 guys turn down this fight. We know it's Strike Force. We'll pay you the same as your UFC contract. I should have never said yes. Um, <laughs> short notice fight. I took it on like three weeks. I wasn't in very good shape. Um, but again, I, I needed to get a fight. I had been sitting on the shelf for a minute. And uh, my manager should have got me some bonuses or something because that guy is a very tough guy to take a short notice mm -hmm. fight on. Um, so I just went over there, fought the one fight, and then that was it. you know. And then I'm, my next one was in the UFC again. Gotcha. So I never was let go or released or anything. It was just like I was doing the brass a favor. So hopefully they remember little stuff like that. But, <laughs> you know. So when you were doing local, what what uh, what – what was it? Was it F? Was it FCFF? That's where I started. My very first fight was in the FCFF in uh, um, Medford. Actually, he was doing shows. Chell, uh, Son, and Kevin Keeney were doing shows in different places, and that was the first one. Um, I think I did a couple up north, like Seattle area, and then maybe a couple more at the Roseland there, and uh, whatever I could get my hands on. There was little shows all over the place. Is that still a good way for fighters to get in, to get I, to turn professional? That's how you have to do it, really. You start regionally, like locally, you know, and you do well locally. And then you get a little more regional action where you get to the Midwest, you know, and maybe you get a couple international opportunities. Like I got, I got to go fight in Japan right when I turned pro. Um, it was a pretty cool experience. Oh, I, I was like I 23 or 4, so... Um, that was cool. But, you know, I fought in like Wenatchee. I fought in Montana in like a horse stable one time, you know, pretty much. <laughs> uh, so there was, you know, that was the Wild West back then. You know, I, yeah. some crazy weird places that I fought. But you would take fights where you could, especially to get the opportunity to get your name out there um, internationally or regionally. And then you get a shot maybe, you know, at that point. And so was it when you were doing that, going from amateurs to pro, is that your goal to get to where you're at now? Not at first. At first, I just started training for fun, and then I saw mm -hmm. one of my buddies compete, and I was like, oh, man, I got to do that. Um, and, of course, at that point, I was addicted to it. And, yeah, shortly after that, my goal was to be in the UFC. Um, I didn't even think about monetary or financial gain. I just thought that's my goal. That's what I want to do. It was a good focus for me. I had some good mentors. I was, like, more focused on life than I had ever been. Whether I made it into the UFC or not, my life had changed from doing martial arts at that point moving forward. So what was – talk about that a little bit. We, before the podcast, we were kind of talking about uh, you moved out before you graduated mm -hmm. high school. And do you, were, were, was, the, was MMA a good outlet for you? Uh, were you going through struggles? Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I grew up kind of tough with not a lot of parental – you know, advisory, um, you know, school was not high of importance, you know, my grades for me, I had, I, you know, I hung out with some knuckleheads too, and you are who you hang out with. So, um, 
made some bad choices growing up young, but I'm glad I got all that out of my system young. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I got in trouble with the law and all kinds of stuff. Like and what I was, kind of trouble? Oh, you know, like stealing and beating people up. And when I was like 15, you know, yeah. criminal record from when I was 15, you know. It's what did you do to get that record when you were 15? Just like I said, like stealing. Um, stealing. You know, I think like we beat this kid up and took his skateboard or something stupid and like, I don't know, just Just knucklehead stuff. Yeah, just being young, dumb kids. Yeah, and you know, making bad choices. Um, And then... Because I remember in high school, we didn't know each other, but I graduated in 99. Okay. So I think we were in the same class. Yeah. But I remember uh, uh, going, okay, Eddie Herman, got to stay away from him. (laughs) (laughs) Just because I remember you fighting in school and uh, yeah, so... Yeah, you know, and uh, I was trying to figure it out, and uh, <clears throat> see, I got. And I didn't mean that in a bad yeah. way. I meant right, like I get it. you don't want to be on on the wrong side <laughs> at, at Herman. Did you did you know did you have the same opinion when you? Because we all went to to Columbia. Yeah, River. dude. I mean, because your your cousin was uh, you know Dusty, um, you know my grade, and so definitely same thing. Like that's not the guy you wanna that you want on your bad side. <laughs> so I mean. I mean, that's your whole nickname. I mean, short fuse, like, don't piss that guy off or, or, or the wrath will be there, man. So you must have known Joe, the security guard, pretty well. Yeah, actually. Because he coached wrestling too, right? Yep, I coached or I wrestled under Joe when I was a little kid, you know, like uh, seven or eight or nine. And then uh, <clears throat> he was an assistant at River when I was there. And he, you know, took the program over after I graduated. So he wasn't the head coach when I was there. He was kind of an assistant. Um, you know, but, uh, again, you know, after high school, like I moved out when I was 17, got a job, you know, school wasn't important to me. I'd messed my grades up, so I probably wasn't going to be able to play football or wrestle. So I was like, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Um, which I could have maybe went to college and wrestled, but I wasn't mature enough in a lot of ways. I didn't have my grades together and a lot of things. I would have failed miserably if I did go to college at that point. Um, but I found martial arts a few years later and that really just saved me man because i was on a downward spiral you know that's the funny thing is is everybody matures differently right and you're everyone's expected to go to college at 18 but i was the same way if i would have gone to a four-year university right out of high school i would have not made it because i just wasn't there maturity wise so i mean coming into going through that maturity at in your mid-20s as you're coming into mma that was probably the perfect mix right yeah, absolutely. And then again, meeting some great mentors, you know, having some, some people who told me that I could be successful and believed in me, that helps a lot, right, when you have that. Um, and sometimes maybe your parents are, but you need somebody else to be that too, like a coach or mm-hmm. a life coach or, you know, some type of mentor. So that's huge. So I recommend anybody struggling to find a good mentor that can help so much. Yeah, so uh, talk about that a little bit. Who was who was that person starting so, out? <clears throat> You know, one of the first people I met who started getting me on the right path was Jake Hawley. You probably remember Jake. Yep. You know, and we yep. got in a lot of trouble together too, but still at the same time, he just kind of helped me change my mindset to be successful. Um, but after all that, uh, Robert Falls was my coach that I met who really kind of took me under his wing and just, uh, you know, man, helped me out a lot. I wouldn't be the man I am today without him. And unfortunately, he's not with us anymore, hmm. uh, which is super sad. You know, but uh, and then Randy Couture, who, you know, world champion, was a mentor to me as well. So that was like, well, and at that time, he was at the peak of his career, right? 
Absolutely. So for him to show me any kind of attention and take me under his wing and give me extra coaching and stuff like that was huge. You know, it showed me that I did have potential and that I could do this and go a long ways. If somebody yeah. like him, who's an Olympian, super successful in uh, collegiate wrestling and as you know, a professional athlete as well. What was that like? I mean, because you knew uh, Randy Couture, like we said, he's at the peak of his career, having him give you attention. What's it like to meet your idol kind of in that in that uh, sport that you want to be that you want to be in? Well, you know, when I first saw, I remember you watching the UFCs when I was like 17, thinking this is awesome. You see Randy Couture fighting at Gresham, Matt yeah. Lindland fighting at Eagle Creek. We were like, what? No way. That's awesome. You know, and they were like good old boys. Uh, so, you know, that was amazing. But I started my career before really he was at his peak. I think he might have been already world champion, but still there was a lot of years there that I got to be right next to him, training with him, helping him get ready for his world championship fights as well. That's so awesome. I was like, I felt like I was a piece of that. I got to be in his corner one time when he fought Chuck Liddell, no um, a part of the whole crew. No I wasn't out there at ringside, but I was like in the back room helping warm him up and like yeah. a part of the whole crew at a very young age before I was in the UFC. So that was huge you know what i mean my coaches were competing at that highest level and they had instilled the confidence that there's no reason we couldn't be right now that you're coaching wrestling and stuff do you kind of find yourself on the opposite end of that absolutely so i'm trying to give back man and uh be there for these young guys and and ladies who are wrestlers because that's a tough sport to do and you got to mentally kind of keep it together you have a lot of things pulling you, I feel like, in different directions, whether it's school, friends, girlfriends, boyfriends, parents who aren't supportive. You wouldn't believe how many of these kids are so dedicated and work so hard, and their parents don't even show up for a wrestling meet. It kills me inside to see that because, you know, luckily they have some awesome coaches who love them and are there for them. I feel like so that's what we can be. Well, and c coaches are so important, not just to the kids that aren't getting that at home, but they're important to everybody, right? What is it about kids where sometimes they'll listen to something from that they'll listen from, they'll take advice from somebody like a coach that they wouldn't take from their parents. Absolutely. We all feel that way, right? <laughs> I love my dad to death. He was the best dad growing up. But when I was a kid, I had some mentors that would tell me, hey, you're doing this wrong or you should focus on this. And if my dad told me that... I'd, I wouldn't give a fuck. I'd be like, yeah. you know, so what, what is that? So I'm, I'm going through that with my own daughter, but I, I see it in the high school a lot. Cause there are some kids who have great uh, support from their parents <laughs> who are amazing. And they've told me the same thing. Like one of our kids who about cutting weight, you know, and the old school way cutting weight, it's like starve yourself and, and really it's miserable. But yeah. The new way, like Unhealthy. we do it with MMA is you got to eat to make weight. You got to eat the right things, but you have to eat consistently to keep your metabolism going. If you just starve yourself, your body shuts down and goes into like a panic mode and holds on to everything you got. So you lose less weight. So just having some of these conversation with these, these young men and women, uh, one of the parents told me, I've been telling him that forever and he comes to me like it's the first time he's ever heard it and how excited he is about all this new information it's just pretty funny to hear that exact situation where the mom or the dad was telling them the same thing mm -hmm. and now that their coach is telling them that it's like the greatest thing ever so you know how kids are teenagers they don't want to hear it from their parents yeah i think that's all it is they need that outside voice you know i think i'm still guilty of that a little bit uh in our industry uh, coaching is a really big deal, 
right? People pay lots of money to have a business coach. And uh, I just recently got a new coach, and his advice to me was, hey, I want you to make this many phone calls every day, and then I want you to send a handwritten thank you card and a book to this many people every week. And I've known that I was supposed to do that. I should be doing that in my business for the last 15 years. But because here I am paying someone to tell me that, I did it and saw immediate results. So it's like, what is it? What's the flaw in our brain where we have to have somebody tell us to do basic things? You know, we all need it in whatever business we're in. That's why it works, I guess. I'm not sure. Well, and MMA is the perfect example because it's all about daily disciplines and the basics, right? There's no re. I mean, I guess with with diets and a lot of that stuff, there's a lot of trendy things that are popular and and trying to do things a different way. But really, doesn't it come down to the basics? I mean, before you were here, you're at training camp, right? Yeah, I was just training right before I came here. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of diet is simple basics, man. Use use common sense, like mm-hmm. watch your carbs at night. You know, eat more protein. You know, <laughs> eat your vegetables eat breakfast like your grandma told you, you know, it's like simple stuff, you know, watch your sugar intake, watch your salt, you know, it's like anything in life. People overthink it. There's all these new fads. Oh, what about this? Where a lot of it's just, it's just one of those little details that people don't think about or nobody taught them. Um, you know, uh, same thing like you said with your business. Uh, it's like with social media, people respond to your stuff. You got to respond to them. Hey, thanks for the like. Hey, thanks for the nice comment. Yeah, that that goes a long ways. You know, people want that uh, interaction. You know, same thing in your business. You send them a, a card, it makes them feel good. Mm-hmm. Even though it sounds simple, just something like that. You know, you're gonna probably go back to that guy or recommend that guy for. Um, not for everybody, but again, people appreciate the little things in life, and it's hard. We're all so damn busy. Yeah. To take a little bit of extra time just to thank somebody makes a lot of difference. You know, it's funny you say that because if you listen to enough podcasts or celebrities, you you hear this once in a while. Oh, my social media guy. Oh, yeah, I don't do Instagram. I have somebody that does all that for me. That pisses me off. As a fan, that pisses me off so much. It's like what this isn't you this isn't i'm not interacting with you i'm not seeing you you're having somebody else pretend to be you right oh, just stay off of it then <laughs> right yeah yeah i agree you know i've i've thought i've tried to get people to maybe help me in the past or talk to people um kind of generically help me with some basic stuff but it's hard well, that's okay i mean if you want somebody that knows what they're doing to kind of yeah. if you're using it from a marketing standpoint right right but if you get on there and with the interaction yeah yeah the interaction the comments or Yep. So, but I've never hired anybody to do any of my stuff. Um, I probably should have because I'm not that great at it. I don't have that many followers on some of my stuff. If some guys got like you know, fifty, sixty thousand on their you know or more on their well, Instagram. Well, you got the you got the best mentor in the world at that, Chael Sonnen. Ha. Yeah, I know, but he keeps a lot of his secrets to himself. Does he? <laughs> is he is he like that all the time? Is this persona that he he does in in media? Is that the same? Is he like that in real life? No, it's not actually. It's kind of a character, you know. Um, he's a super nice guy, super friendly. He doesn't talk crap to anybody or make funny. I mean, we've been friends for a long time, so we give each other crap. You know, sure. of course, guys do that in the room. But he's the best teammate. He's a great guy. People love him. Uh, anybody who's ever met him. We'll tell you how nice of a guy he really is, um, but he's super witty, just like he is. You know, uh, it's, it's interesting talking to him. 
um, having a conversation with him is uh, always always interesting for me. I always learn something. So uh, do you do the same thing? I mean, your persona in media and in the ring, um, do you just try to be yourself? or Because there, it does seem like there's a push in MMA to, like you said, be entertaining. Right. Right? And whether that's the villain or the good guy or the bad guy. I mean, because Chael often will play the heel, right? Oh, yeah. He's good at it. He's great yeah. at it. Um, you know, maybe like very beginning of my career, like on The Ultimate Fighter, you know, I was kind of like, man, I'm going to talk as much crap as I can and just be like, you know, because that intimidates people. It makes mm -hmm. it just, you know, err, you know. Yeah. And I had a couple buddies who were on the Ultimate Fighter, and they were like, just talk shit, and you'll get the camera time. I'm like, all right, let's do this. And <laughs> well, I, but see, there's two different strategies, right? Because I was listening to Joe Rogan. He just uh, interviewed uh, Lennox Lewis. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys listened to that one. Awesome. But they were talking about how Muhammad Ali would show up at an opponent's house and fuck with them, right? Oh, man. And talking shit. And that was part of the strategy. Absolutely. But that's different than using that as a strategy to make more money or become more popular in the USC. True. So both, you know, like look at Conor McGregor, look at Nate Diaz. They talk so much crap, they get in guys' heads. So the guy does, guy's fighting with emotion now. Yeah. He's not fighting as smart. They do a really good job of that. And Muhammad Ali did the same thing where you get in their head and you get that guy to question themselves a little bit. Um, whether you do or not, um, it sells fights. People love that. People love the drama. You know, they love the crap talking. Um, you know, again, right after the Ultimate Fighter, after being that bad guy, being the heel, I got so much like hate mail, which was hard for me. You know, and I, it was my first time being, you know, uh, in having that exposure. You know, of a little bit of celebrity ism or whatever and so people bag on you now i know they're going to do that anyway win and, or lose and that was before troll troll used to be something in a fantasy movie now it's some asshole talking yeah. shit on online right, right. And, you know so was, that was before all that it was like myspace or something but yeah. still i got a lot of oh man this guy is just a piece of crap and you know just like god oh, that hurt me so i'm like so then i try to like be okay i need to be more of like all american nice guy yeah. so i tried that but you know what that didn't sell as much. I should have kept being the heel. I should have played that all the way through, because um, it was, it kind of came naturally a little bit, just having fun. People don't know if you're quite serious or not. When, mm -hmm. You know, you can talk smack and have fun with it. So now I do that a little bit more, but not. It's just not me. I've tried a little bit, but I'm just kind of a humble dude. You know, when I was younger, it was easier for me because I had a huge chip on my shoulder. Um, now I don't have that big of a chip on my shoulder. So. Well, I like I like, like I get excited for your fights, not just because you're from our area, but whenever. <clears throat> yeah. So same with Cowboy Cerrone. Whenever I know he's going to fight, I'm pumped. Right? I'll buy a pay per view just to watch that fight. Uh, but I feel like you, you know they're just going to lay it on the line. Yeah, and and I feel there's a certain a bit of authenticity there. Absolutely. And, you know, it's okay to, to, to have to be a character and, and talk shit to be more popular because I get it, right? You're trying to get as many eyes on you as possible so you can get the fights and get the money, right? But it'll be interesting to see where it goes. And I just hope it doesn't get out of control. Like when um, uh, the uh, Steep A uh, fight where Brock Lesnar got in the ring afterwards and started shoving uh, uh, Cormier. Right, right. You know, it's like, okay, was that real? Or they were was smiling. That, they were it, counting dollars why they were doing that. It almost felt like that was written, right? That was written to happen. And I just, I, I would suck to see the sport go down that road. Like right. WWE, let's keep them separate. Yep. Yeah. You know, you're going to see a little bit of that crossover, and it's good and bad for the sport. 
it brings more people in. Think how many more people watch when Brock Lesnar fights. He's the biggest pay-per-view seller in the history of the UFC. So it brings all those goofballs in who like that Jerry Springer drama. Mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately, we got to do that to make a buck. You don't have to be that character, but you got to deal with a little bit of that. You know, Bellator's really bad. I feel like they're like in between WWE and MMA. Or well, but they just had a who's that fighter that just fought that came out of WWF that fought in uh, Bellator just recently? Uh, Swagger. I don't Jack, even know Jack Swagger. I don't know who that is. Because uh, CM Punk did it right. And, yeah, you know, not very well. No, but the Swagger guy, <laughs> I think he's got a chance of making it. Okay, yeah, you know. lo- look it up. It's uh, Jack Swagger or John, I think John Swagger. His uh, WWF character was uh, uh, like extreme right wing prepper. Huh. I don't really watch that stuff anymore. When I was a kid, I did. So I know who like Ravishing Rick Rude is, the Million Dollar Man, the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah, he looks pretty yoked. Where was the Ultimate Warrior from? The Ultimate Warrior? Shoot, I have no idea. Parts Unknown, man. uh, Yeah, Parts (laughs) Unknown. How can I not know that? Yeah, there he is. But he he had a fighting background before six five two seventy five. He's a yeah. big boy. Yeah. I think he he uh, was pretty <clears throat> well known in wrestling. Maybe he looks like a wrestler. And you know, yeah. a lot of these guys who are in the WWE are super athletes, super amazing stuff that they do. If they got a wrestling background, um, that's huge. Like a guy like that, he looks like he could be playing in the NFL too. So you know, he's choosing to go this way. Um, well, and I think that. Like having a, tr- a crossover from WWE into to MMA and back and forth, I don't think that's a bad thing. No, um, duty won if, by a technical movies one and zero. Yeah, submission triangle. arm triangle choke. If anything, watching uh, was it uh, Gill Mickey Gill uh, fight CM Punk? Right. It shows that you guys are trained freaking assassins, and you take an athlete like CM Punk, and he can't even hang. No, absolutely. So, because he fought just an up and comer, right? It was his first. They, it was both of their UFC de- debuts, right? Right. Mickey Gall's pretty, pretty talented kid though, too. So it's yeah. not like they gave uh, CM an easy matchup. Um, the last guy he fought, though. Well, Mickey Gall wanted CM Punk. Is that right? what it was? Okay. Of course, everybody wanted CM Punk. Me too. I was like, <laughs> what? What way is he gonna fight at? I'll go back down to eighty-five to fight him. Two hundred five. I'm like, come on, please give me that. Because you know, there's. You're going to get a lot of hype out of that. So yeah, I would love to take a fight like that. Give me one of those guys. Um, heavyweight's a different story, though. You know, they're far and few between with a real heavyweight, you know. Yeah, how exciting is heavyweight right now? It's more and more than it's ever been. I mean, uh, they have more guys on the roster than they ever have. Um, but look at the guys who are still there. They're guys who've been around for 20 years, some of them. Or maybe not 20, but you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Zingano and some of these guys are still the guys at the top. So... You know, these new heavyweights come in and then they're gone. So it's just so far and few between, you know, the normal man. Well, did you obviously. watch the last, the last heavyweight fight? Um, it was uh, uh, Nagano versus uh, Kane. Kane. Yep. And uh, Kane won. No, right. he didn't win. Nagano knocked oh, him out. Oh, that's right. He knocked yeah. him out. Yeah. Pretty quickly. I didn't see it. I saw a few highlights. But, you know, Kane's been out in a while, you know. Um, there hasn't been a lot of heavyweights like Nganu, yeah. you know, that he's faced before. He's a big, bad dude, you know. Kane's older, you know. Um, there's a lot of other things, too, coming into play. Like um, what, what, what do you mean? I don't know. USADA, things like that. <laughs> That's actually something I wanted to touch on when you were talking about diet and whatnot. As far as supplements go, 
um, like, do you take any supplements? And then what stuff do you just like, hey, I just got to be uber careful about that because, I mean, you get tested and it came from some random, well, you know, lab. And when you answer that, talk to, tell everyone what USADA is because we're not an a MMA show. Right. Um, USADA is the United States uh, anti-doping agency. So it's the same thing that follows the Olympians around. Um, the guys who come, they come to my house and test me. It's like 9 o'clock at night, you know, oh, knock, knock, knock. My kids are like, hey, dad, oh, the guy who makes you pee in a cup is here. <laughs> you know, he comes in and sits there and BS. that watches you pee, right? Yeah. They watch you pee. Yep. Sometimes they show up and take blood, too, So, which is good. I'm all about that. I wish they would do more of that um, and keep the sport clean um, because it isn't fair when guys are able to get away with, with using, you know, performance-enhancing drugs. Isn't isn't it the pendulum swinging a little too far when they're talking about picograms and like Ryan was talking about with supplements? I mean, do you think it's going too far, like this whole John Jones deal? I think uh, John Jones is a cheater, and he gets away with it because he's John Jones. So I don't know. All of his excuses are bullshit, I think. Really? That's what I think. I think so, too. Um, I, I th- do. I think he puts a big, fat wad of money in everybody's pocket, so things change when you're – the rules aren't the same when you're, you know, at the top. Um, so, unfortunately, that's the way it is. Look at all professional sports. I hate to say it, everybody, but all your heroes are probably cheaters, mm-hmm. um, unfortunately. Um, gosh, you know. Have you, ever, wanna... have, have you ever done that or been asked to do it? Uh, no. To do any of that doping no. or anything I mean, like that? Now that I'm 38, I kind of wish I could. I could use it to get through training camp because that's yeah. what a lot of guys use it for. So just being able to – because the wear and tear on your body, man. Um, well, and aren't they showing a lot of – benefits just from a health and safety standpoint with a lot of that stuff absolutely like minimal amounts you know Mm -hmm. there's a lot of guys who swear by that and i agree too you know most likely but you know i don't know how they can monitor it they tried to do that before with like trt exemptions and then everybody you know like it just got too crazy and they couldn't control it so if it was somehow controlled like a minimal amount but guys just go crazy with it you know what i mean and uh Hey, I don't know how they can control that. I think it's got to be either all the way out or all the way in, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. I don't want to spend too much time talking about that, but, um, you know. Uh, you have to be super careful, obviously, with all your supplements, though. Yeah, so I, I've never been a huge supplement guy. I'm a real simple guy. I do like a, you know, like a light pre-workout. I don't like a lot of the crazy pre-workouts that get you all amped up. I get They kind of mess with my stomach and... I just don't like them. And plus, those are the dangerous ones, some of those pre-workouts. Um, that You know, you can get a GMC, you can get popped for USADA. But they have a list, man, so you got to be smart about it. Um, mm-hmm. But a guy like me, I kind of know what I'm taking. I'm not just going to jump all over and start taking a bunch of new crazy stuff. Garden of Life is a company that I use for all my supplements. They've been with me for a long time. It's, a, it's basically vegan and plant-based all their stuff except for they do have like a whey protein which which i like better than the plant-based mm-hmm. um, it's easier for me to stomach but and i do like a simple post-workout I'll, again it's real simple nothing crazy you know some bcas um so i don't do a whole lot of supplements man simple clean protein and you know simple vitamins they do a lot of vitamins too so i get a lot of good simple vitamins nothing nothing out Nothing crazy, man. There's no magic pill. I mean, there is, but I'm not allowed to take them. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I almost wish that they that there was uh, maybe a promotion outside of the UFC that came back that was really loose on that stuff. Oh, there is. Bellator. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me let me. I don't want to get you in trouble. Uh, what about the smaller, um, the smaller promotions like FCFF? Are are they under USADA too? No, absolutely not. So UFC is the only one signed with USADA. Bellator has their own regulations. They basically go through just the um, the state that they fight in. Um, the commission kind of runs it, I believe. I don't know if they have it outside an outside body that they they work with. Um, a lot of the, it's expensive to test, though, right? Especially yeah. for like human growth and stuff. They can test for testosterone and some of those simple things and like drugs, you know, pretty easily. But some of those other tests can be pretty expensive, from what I've heard. Um, so these little shows can't afford it. Sometimes you'll have a show like uh, King of the Cage does a show down in Lincoln City, and they'll mm -hmm. test like one or two fighters randomly off the card. Um, really? But it's just a pee test. It's not blood. So there's only so much they can find. And they're probably not doing the test before and test after Some, and all that. Sometimes they'll test right before the fight and then right after the fight. Um, I know the UFC does it like that. I'm not sure how these guys do it. They might do it right after or right before. Because they're looking for, like, micro-dosing and that kind of stuff when they're doing that, right? You know, I don't know, really, yeah. man. Like, I haven't been in that. I've been around that world, but I've never, I've never, you know, taken the stuff. So it's kind so of a... Do you think there's temptation for people that are trying to get into it to do that, and then they end up in the UFC, and now they're being tested, and now they have to stop, and then... They don't have that to depend on anymore. So in the past, especially, I remember, I feel like I saw that with guys. Even even now you're seeing it. When, but when you saw the first came out, man, you saw a lot of guys who came in looking a lot different. Yeah. Physically, like energy-wise, just aggression-wise. Um, a lot of guys dropped down in weight. Um, it's just, it was pretty crazy to see. Um, and yeah, that mental dependence, right? That's another reason I never wanted to get into it because like, what about when you can't take it anymore? Yeah. Um, you, I, that's a huge thing. I've seen that with some of the old school fighters. That's what Lennox <clears throat> Lewis was saying. He's like, people get, because he's, I, I never doped because I didn't want to have to rely on that. And he goes, and doping doesn't make your chin any stronger. No, it doesn't make your chin any stronger. Um, Again, like what I was saying, man, I could use some now. It's because I'm 38. Just getting through training camp, that's the tough part. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, and staying healthy from what guys, some guys say, it can help you a lot with that. So, so uh, from a fan, what do you think about uh, this ESPN deal and a lot of the uh, announcers and commentators are now fighters? They're, they're really pushing that, right? You think that's a good thing? Uh, for some guys, yeah, just like, you know, you see football. Some guys, like Tony Romo, are naturals. They come in there mm -hmm. and, and kill it. Uh, Chael Sonnen, obviously. But not all of them are. They try some guys out who who aren't that good. I was trying to get into doing that. I was emailing all the people, asking, hey, give me a, give me a shot, give me a shot. But, you know, I'm not the most educated guy. So um, <clears throat> I think I might struggle a little bit there just with some of the, you know, just being able to – to keep up. Um, I think I would do fine. A lot of people encourage me and tell me that I would do fine, but yeah. that was always my, why I doubted myself, I guess, just because my lack of education compared to some of these guys with college degrees and stuff. Um, Sometimes I like it. Like, I love, love Daniel Cormier. I think he's great at it. But then, like, Dominic Cruz, I put the, I put the TV on mute. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's just he doesn't stop talking. And, uh, yeah, I mean... It's like everyone wants Joe Rogan. He's good at it for a reason, and you can't just replace him. But 
so there's some fighters I like that do it and some that I put it on mute. My favorite thing that my favorite thing is the fight companion. That, have you seen those that Joe Rogan does on, on his podcast where he'll bring in like Brandon Schwab and some of his buddies and they'll watch like a fight night? <clears throat> I uh, haven't seen it, but I, I'm familiar with the, the the show and I maybe have seen a little bit of it. I wish I had more time to watch some of that stuff, but I'm just, I just yeah, it, That's the best because they, they put a timer up so you know where to, to sync them. And so I'll turn that on, turn the fight on mute and watch these guys bullshit. And it's like I can watch a fight with my friends, but I'm the only one in the house. Ah, and that's, that's what funny. it's like. That's funny. Yeah, I saw Brendan uh, posting stuff about that. I'll have to catch one of those. It sounds like fun. Uh, talk about uh, talk about what the ultimate fighter. The, the cool thing about that is you you got in early. Uh, but talk about how that uh, what that was like being able to get on the show and then how it you know kind of propelled you into uh, this this long career that you're having. Um, so I had a couple uh, teammates who got on season one. Actually, when they when they had the auditions for season one, they flew me out, Chris Liebman out, uh, Nathan Corey out, maybe some other guys. But was Chris Liebman from this area? Yeah, he's from Southeast Portland. Yeah. So, you know, we started training about the same time at Team Quest, you know, and became good friends and training partners and, you know, beat the crap out of each other every day for years. Um, but, you know, so both of those guys ended up getting on at 185 because we were all middleweights. You know, so they chose those two, those two guys over me. They had a little more experience. They had a, a little more flair, you know, or a little more uh, personality when they went out there. Um, that's when I was like, oh, it's like trying to be respectful and stuff when I was out there. And, you know, I didn't get on doing that. So season two comes around. They're doing heavyweights and, and Walter weights. So I apply as a heavyweight because I can't make 170. <laughs> so they fly me out again, right? And I'm doing the whole interview process. Oh, yeah, I'll smash on these heavyweights, this and that. And they're like, how much do you weigh? I'm like, oh, I'm like 200 pounds, which I wasn't even 200 pounds. <laughs> and Dana White comes busting in the room. He's like, oh, man, I love you. You're great. I love your attitude, this and that. I'd love to have you on because, like, Yes, you know, stand up, how much you weigh? And I was like, I'll be 220 by the time I get back, you know, for the show in two months, which there's no way that would happen either. But it didn't matter. I was like, I'll, I'll kill all these heavyweights. Let's go all these, these fatties. Let's do it. Just, just running my mouth. Sure. And, uh, but I was excited about it too. It was, it was real, you know, it was a little trying to throw some flair, but at the same time, you know, it was, it was how I really felt. Um, he said, look, next season we're doing middleweights again. I'll bring you back for season three. And they did. They brought me out. I went through the interview process again. And, um, you know, you go and you sit at this big table with all these executives, people from Spike TV, you know, who don't care about fighting. They just want entertainment. Yeah. You know? And uh, guys like, you're from Portland. What, are you gay? You know? And I'm like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're the one wearing a pink shirt, bro. Like the, the main guy. You are know? they so just I, trying to see how you react? Yeah, they're just trying to mess with you. So I fired back at him. Because that's you know? a pretty brave dude yeah. to go up to Ed Herman and say, what are you, a, a gay? for?" Well, you know, this guy's like a, was the executive producer, I believe, for Spike TV and like big, big deal. So, you know, so they're firing at me, talking crap, basically. And so I started just firing back, making fun of him for wearing a pink shirt, talking shit with him. And they, that's what they wanted. They loved that. You know, I, I got on the show. And I still see Craig every once in a while around. And we have a few laughs. Um, but then at before that, um, they had offered me, look, we'll, we'll, or maybe it was after that, 
we want you on the Ultimate Fighter, or you will just give you a regular contract. You can go right in the UFC. You don't have to do the Ultimate Fighter because I was twelve and one or something, thirteen mm -hmm. and one at the time, maybe thirteen and two, and uh, had beat some pretty tough guys. So they were ready to offer me a contract anyway for like three thousand bucks. But if you won the Ultimate Fighter, you started out at like four times that, you know. So I was like. Pfft. I'm gonna win the Ultimate Fighter, of yeah. course. Wasn't so I'm the going finale worth like 100k or? Yeah, they were pretty good at selling it to the fans. So everybody thought I got handed like a hundred thousand dollar check, you know, after that fight. That isn't the case. The contract reads: you have the ability to make a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> over the nine fights on your contract for the next three years. Oh. So yeah, there's your hundred thousand yeah. dollars. Right. Um, or maybe it was you had the ability to make a hundred thousand. Dude, the contract was there's no way because I was at twelve and twelve my first three fights. So even if I won all three of those, that's not even seventy five grand. That's what seventy two grand. Yeah. Um, so, um, <clears throat> you know. Do you get any royalties from being on the show? No, not a dime. And then we didn't get paid for being there either. I think we got like five hundred dollars a week or something for being there. And then. Uh, if you want to fight on the show, if you finished them, you got five grand. So I finished both my guys. So I, I actually walked out of there with 10 grand, which was cool. Um, <clears throat> and then uh, even the finale, the finals, the ultimate fighter, I think I got paid five grand, you know, so. But at the time, that was the most money I ever made fighting. So I was like, hell yeah, I'm yeah. rich, yeah. five grand. <laughs> Is it still the same way now? Because <clears throat> ultimate fighter now, it's less drama, right? Uh, it depends on the season. Sometimes they get a good group in there. Mm -hmm. I think they're done with it, aren't they? I heard that the last one yeah. was... A, yeah, I'm not sure if they're still doing it or not. I think they stopped doing it. Dana White's Contender Series kind of you know, took good. it over. And, um, they're having a hard time finding enough guys to fill these houses too, yeah. I think, man. Um, the competition level's gone Because they were doing them right after. It wasn't like they were doing one a year. I mean, it would, it right. would start right back up. Yeah, they did three or four within the first year and a half mm -hmm. it seemed like in the beginning did they uh did they ever approach you about being one of the coaches bringing you back no they never did um which would have been awesome because you get a huge pay bump when you fight if you're a coach <laughs> so i just you know i think uh i just the popularity wasn't there you know when i first got off the ultimate fighter it was like i felt like you know people thought i could be the next big thing you know it could be a champ but then after a few years go by and people see you take some losses, that mm -hmm. that kind of simmers down. Um, and then they're on to the next big thing. Who's the next big guy, you know, coming in? You know, the sports, you see that a lot with the sport. Guy comes on the scene, wins two or three big fights. Oh, everybody loves him. He's the next most popular guy in the world. And two years later, who? What? Yeah. Who? Twelve years later, who's still standing here? Yeah, I mean, it, it's easy for the fans to do because it's like there's so many fighters that I'll look at a card and I'm like, that sounds familiar, that sounds familiar. Then I'll see him fight. I'll go, oh, yeah, I remember watching that guy once. But if you don't make me remember you as a fan, I mean, that's right. a lot to ask, right, for fans to <clears throat> remember every single fighter. And then staying relevant, staying consistent. I haven't been fighting consistently, really, um, one or two times a year, if I'm lucky. There's a couple times where I was out over a year, one time almost two years. So people forget about you then, too, or you just – yeah, but watching those guys come back, though, make a run at it and get some wins in a row, like Cerrone's going through that now, right, where he he went through a handful of losses, mm -hmm. and now he's on a tear. He went up in weight, I think, went up one weight class. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, he's always going back and forth between yeah. 55 and 70, I believe. But he's always been a fan favorite, not only because he stayed really consistent. He fought so many times, especially for a few years there. His character, people love him, man. And, you know, that's – 
that translates into reality. Like you meet him in person, he's a cool guy. He's got a lot of charisma. You know, people want to hang out with with Cowboy. He's a cool dude. You know, well, I saw him on uh, what was the show? Uh, Mask uh, Tap Out. The Tap Out. Th- right. They're the ones that like found him. Yep, yep. That's... Like I was a fan of his from like day one when I saw him on TV. Because he went down there and threw down. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Had a little a little swagger. You know, people people like that. You know, charisma goes a long way. Um, <clears throat> and again, going out there and just throwing down. People always love that. I'm going to talk politics for a minute. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. So one thing that makes me really mad is uh, I think that the USC does not get credit for what they have done in with women athletes, right? There's no other sport where – there's no other female sport that's more popular than female MMA, right? Right. It's huge, man. It's huge. They're Nobody watches the women's basketball, right? But – I'm just excited when Kat Zagano gets up there, and I know I see her on a card. I get just excited. Uh, I bought the the a pay per view a few months ago just to watch um, Cyborg, right? I bought that pay per view just for that one fight. Yeah, because you know she might just kill somebody. Yeah, <laughs> literally. <laughs> yeah, and I'm glad I did because that. I mean, she lost that fight. Uh, Amanda, Amanda's fuck. She is a badass. She hits like a man. Yeah. It, yeah, to knock outside where that was crazy, but but, but women's uh, MMA is huge right now, and you're right, it's it's great because a lot of these young ladies are getting an opportunity to go be a professional ath- athlete and make some real money and be on the same stage as the men. They're the they're the main event sometimes over you know uh, different very popular fighters mm-hmm. or right on the main card, and so it's pretty cool for for women to. And young, I think for young women to see that too, like the girls that I coach, the high school girls. Yeah, I think that's we're getting more and more women coming out for wrestling. I think because of Ronda Rousey's Misha Tate's, they're going. Wait well, a minute, we were in high school. There were zero. It was zero, right? right. And you know, you can be hot and a badass yeah. and buff and still be attractive. You know, because I would say at least 70 percent of the girls in uh, the UFC are pretty attractive as well. Um, and that definitely helps. Um, same thing for men. When you're a good-looking guy and you're built, obviously people want to see that. So, well, And it happened organically. It wasn't forced. It wasn't like UFC was promoting women's fighting to get more popular or get uh, to be political or make a statement. Sounds like the landscapers are here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can you go take care of that guy yeah, for me? Like, what is that? Is it Corvette <laughs> out there? Uh, Leaf blower. But you know what I mean? You see a lot of people use, they'll put, they'll, They'll make it a you too, uh, Me Too movement thing, right? Where in UFC, you had a lot of people like Dana White saying, oh, yeah, girls will, will never fight in the UFC. He said that, never. Yeah, never. And it organically became popular. I mean, it it's not like it's popular because people are trying to make a statement, a political statement. <clears throat> Correct. And uh, it's just, it's a shame that um, that's not getting picked up in politics. You have, uh, like, who was it, Susan Sarandon in the uh, Oscars Slammed MMA, slammed UFC. What she like, said, I didn't see it. You didn't see that? No. See if you can bring up what she said. Yeah, I mean, look what it's doing for not only so many young men, but young women too, man. I know some girls who are like ex-soccer players and, you know, they just switched over. Mm-hmm. They're like, I'm a badass. I can make some money. I think it was Susan Sarandon. If that doesn't come up, just like go Oscars. and. But you know what? UFC. She doesn't understand our sport. She obviously no. doesn't know anybody in it. Wait till she knows somebody in it, a nephew of hers 
or something like that, then she's going to change her tune because she'll be passionately involved. She tried to lump, I think it was something about like Trump voters or or all UFC fans or something like that. And uh, they're smarter. Yeah. Um, Maybe it wasn't Susan Sarandon. Maybe it was somebody else. But just type in like MMA Oscars. Yeah. but I'm like, you're such an idiot. You should be championing the UFC because nobody has done uh, what the UFC has done for women's, for female athletes. You know, I didn't think about it in the political sense, but that you're right. That's huge. I can't believe there's not more women's like rights activists like praising the UFC and how great it is because of that. Because, I mean, what other sports doing that? You don't see the NBA like, hey, check out all the WNBA players. They're mm-hmm. here, you know. Uh, they're going to play before us or, you know, whatever, like including them in all of it. Yeah, um, I'm not finding it. That's all right. Women's boxing, too. That, you know, do they even, that's not that big of a sport, no, really. It's not. Um, you know, like Layla Ali is probably the most popular um, boxer to come out of that. Um, you know, there's a few girls in the UFC, too, or a few ladies in the UFC who are pro boxers. But, man, I really can't. I mean, soccer, you know, maybe is a big one. Yeah, maybe women's um, soccer, but, volleyball. You know, I'm not a big soccer fan. I just not that I don't like the sport, but I just didn't grow up around it. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, soccer is one of the biggest sports in the world, if not the biggest. Yeah. Right. So, what about in some of these European countries? Is women's soccer as popular as men's, or even close? Probably not. Right. Mm-mm. Or so. I, I I don't think so. Uh, I think locally, uh, the like the in the Olympics, I think women's soccer is popular. I know women's hockey is popular in the Olympics. Yeah, That's some, the only other women's sport I watch. I'll I'll intentionally watch women's hockey in the Olympics because the girls have done pretty good nice. in the last few Olympics. But I mean, outside of college too. I mean, maybe some of the college women's sports are pretty competitive and people watch. Uh, but yeah, that's I never I never thought about that. That's an awesome point. Yeah, and um, yeah, and for like gay marriage and all that thing because Amanda Nunes is married, right? Yeah, a bunch, so, of, a bunch of those uh, ladies. Yeah. So, yeah, that too. And I know there is a, a lot of support from, you know, like the gay and lesbian community. Um, I feel like there always has been. I mean, started with like the ultimate fighter, a bunch of good-looking dudes running around with their shirts mm-hmm. off and then jumping in the pool in their underwear and stuff. I, I remember getting a lot of, of funny comments and stuff from people. Is that all, is that is there any of that going on in in the MMA? There are a lot of dudes that are uh, that are gay. You know, I don't know any personally, but I'm sure there are. You know, but it's probably like other sports. You know, there may be, uh, you know, not as often to to come out because yeah. you know it is that kind of male locker room kind of thing, and you're, you know, but but these maybe days, we were talking about talking shit and. and fucking with your opponent's mind right maybe yeah. if you did do that yeah yeah you know, and then um, get him in a hold and give him a little kiss on the cheek or something just to screw them <laughs> or just some kind of comment you know yeah. uh yeah you know and but again in other sports you're seeing more and more people come out but probably not everybody until you know later and you see them later after they're done they come mm-hmm. out um so yeah i don't know a lot of guys but i, I don't really know it's definitely not it's kind of you know it's kind of like a roughneck sport for the guys too. It's a yeah. different mentality, you know what I mean? Girls, you can see it because they're kind of, you know, a lot of those girls who who are gay are are badass mm-hmm. kind of, uh, like, you know. So that's not what a gay guy usually is nine out of ten times. Not to judge. Hopefully, no one's offended. Yeah. What about uh, talk about uh, you? You had your own gym in Colorado there for a while. What was that like? How did you get into it? Uh, how did it go? All that stuff. 
That was a great experience. Uh, so Team Quest was kind of falling apart out here, and that's the gym that I was a part of. Um, Randy Couture had left for uh, Vegas and started Extreme Couture, so I thought about moving there, um, which I'm glad I didn't because I'm not mature enough to live in Las Vegas, <laughs> especially at that time. Yeah. Um, so uh, a friend of mine, Ryan Schultz, he is a wrestler out of Nebraska. He fought in the IFL and just about every show but the UFC. You know, we both were coaches at Team Quest full time, all the time, and so we uh, we talked about opening a gym. And he's he's from Nebraska. He had lived in Fort Collins, Colorado, and talked about wanting to move back there. So he convinced me to move back there, open a gym. We had a an investor who threw down like thirty grand, which isn't shit. Mm-hmm. Once we realized that, <laughs> <laughs> so we took out a bunch of loans and all that. You know, as time went along, but we had an awesome five thousand square foot gym. Um, and they're still rocking and rolling out there. I decided five years in that uh, I wanted to sell my shares and move home and kind of focus on me and my career. And that, uh, you know, I wanted to open, I want to open a gym again for sure, but I want to do it in my hometown here in Vancouver, yeah. most likely. And I want to do it after I'm done fighting so I have the time to put into it. Did you enjoy the business aspect of it? I did, actually. Uh, I was surprised. I ended up, you know, kind of being the gym manager and controlling a lot of the business side with and with no education it was a lot of self-taught stuff mm-hmm. you know kind of some street smarts and common sense you know so i learned a heck of a lot so when i open a gym again i'll definitely do some things differently uh we talked about having like uh you know business coach yeah. you know stuff like that stuff uh, having the right mentors around can make a big difference too um we didn't fail, but we never made any real money. Uh, it was a labor of love, mm-hmm. and still is. You know, that's a hard business to make money in. Is in the gym industry. Well, it seems like I, <clears throat> I would imagine from a fighter, it seems like it would be a, uh, the perception of doing it would be really easy, right? Because it's what you do. It is, but it's kind of like, okay, um, when you own your own business, to be successful. You need to wake up in the morning and that's like the first thing you think about except for maybe your kids for a little bit but mm-hmm. you know and then before you go to bed same thing that's what you're thinking about all day long that's your business if you want to be successful so to do that and have a fighting career and be a kind of halfway in both i'm going to do them both mediocre right yeah instead of so i feel like i, I focus 100 percent on my family and my career i can get the most out of it until i'm done fighting and then i can focus on that business side and uh, open another gym so that's a good transition. Do you feel like you've achieved the excess, success you've sought out for, or is there still some on the table? Um, there's still some money on the table that I, I'm not going to be able to walk away from quite yet. Um, you know, I may never become world champion in the UFC, which is a bummer because that, you know, was the ultimate goal. But to be able to com- continue to compete at a high level against the best guys in the world and challenge myself and make some money doing it too um, – feel like the last couple of years I'm more okay with being close to retirement and just kind of like, Hey, I'm going to enjoy it while I can. I'm going I'm to enjoy it while I can. I don't, I don't know how many years I got left or shoot. This could be my last fight. You never know. Uh, are you on, is this, this, you said this is your last fight on your contract? Uh, I have two left, but usually they try to, they try to renegotiate before you're a free agent. Okay. So you can take that risk kind of and go nah i'm gonna wait i'm gonna fight out my last fight and then we can talk about renegotiating you know um which sometimes they'll give you a tougher opponent your last fight and everything so you got to be careful there um i've always renegotiated because i wanted to stay with the ufc and i'll Mm -hmm. i will do that again um if they if they give me what i want 
Um, I don't want to like go to Bellator for like a year or two and then retire. I'd rather stay with the UFC, finish my career out with them. So do you have an agent that helps you with those decisions? I used to have an agent. Um, I had a couple over the years. Right now I kind of manage myself, which is good and bad. Um, I feel like I've been in the game and I know enough about the game to where I can uh, handle a lot of that. I could use somebody probably to financially help me, but the UFC is pretty – when they come at you with a contract, they don't budge a lot. Even when you have someone working for you to try and negotiate it, I mean, they don't budge a whole lot, and they never have. So um, maybe I've never had a good enough agent, too. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say. I have some good mentors around me right now, though, and I talk with my coaches, and so I almost get um, you know, that same knowledge from some of those guys as I would from an agent. Um, but it is, you know, it's a double-edged sword there, managing yourself. Interesting. Um, you know, this has kind of turned into more of an interview than a conversation. That's okay. Uh, I hope that's all right with you. It's okay with me. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's fascinating getting to sit down and and kind of learn more about it from a fan standpoint. Um, uh, what about, uh, when, when you're done? Um, you know, we talked about opening another gym, um, uh, what uh, do you have you thought that far ahead yet, or are you just focused on on the now? I mean, uh, I've definitely thought that far ahead, of, especially the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it can be scary for an athlete getting towards the end of your career and not knowing what you're going to do next. Um, so I do have some, you know, a lot, a few different ideas that I've been pursuing. It's changed a little bit. I almost feel like I was like a college student, like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Oh wait, now this is what I want to do. Um, I was thinking about starting a business like hauling heavy machinery and doing stuff like that. I got some family in the construction business and, you know, so I was like trying to get my CDL and then I was going to buy a truck and stuff. And then I, I did that for a little while and I was like, eh, I don't know if I want to do that. Yeah. You know? Um, so I'm actually, uh, I want to open a gym. So, and I want to continue to train and coach cause I'm so passionate about coaching, but it's really hard to make a living coaching. It really, really is. So, I'm trying to get in the fire department, actually. I've got half a dozen buddies that I've been training with for years. Call Stipe up. Yeah. You know, but I have guys locally that I've been training with for years who are firefighters. And, uh, you know, it seems like it could be a good fit. A lot of ex athletes, ex military guys. You have a lot of of, uh, time. I could train. I could still even fight a couple times uh, once a year or something. Um, So it seems like it could be a good fit. So I've been kind of pursuing that, doing some of their testing and, uh, kind of uh you know so i'm kind of got some things in line i'm trying to get on with either portland or vancouver right now so if i do get on i'll probably hang them hang the gloves up and just go you know do that but uh for at least a year because you're on probation and then maybe i'll fight again it's hard to say um there's no 401k with the ufc or any type of even health insurance you know when you're self-employed or uh have a corp and run it through that. It's pretty darn expensive to have health insurance. So, um, yeah, it seems like a fun option. So I'm kind of looking into that right now. It almost seems like there's an opportunity there, and maybe it already exists for like a um, like an advocacy or a fighters, uh, you know, like a union. Like not yeah, maybe like a union, but um, but almost like a private company to come in and say, look. We'll help you with a lot of those decisions, right? We'll help you with your finances. We'll help you with an exit strategy. Yeah. You know, I'm surprised that. Does that exist? Is there a company out there that's doing that? I don't know. There probably is. Um, I would have 
have liked to hook up with them 10 years ago, but um, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I, uh, I just figured I'd keep making more money at that point 10 yeah. years ago. Um, um, but it's definitely, you know, I opened the gym in 2010. So that was kind of like, okay, here's, here's some future for me. I'm going to own this gym. And in my eyes was, I'm going to get this gym going in a few years, move back home, open another gym and, you know, kind of have a couple gyms. You know, I have a few houses, rental houses. So I was going to, you know, maybe get a little more real estate going, but I just haven't made the money to be able to really invest. You know, I've never made like, you know, a million dollars in a fight that I could go, I really have real money to work with. Um, <clears throat> I've had a couple really good years, but then I've had some years where I was out. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like I said, I got a few investments, but not as many as I'd like to have had. I should have seek, you know, seeked out more advice probably financially. Um, stock market kicked my ass a little bit in 2006, which was like the worst time. Kicked to the whole there. country's ass. Yeah. I, so I thought it was the right thing to do. Put a bunch of money in the stock market and, I got a bad taste for that. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned uh, before we started uh, about possibly starting your own podcast. Is that something you're interested into? Yeah. Uh, me and my buddy Brandon have been talking a lot about it. Um, you know, hitting up our good friend Chell Sonnen and some different people who have podcasts. It seems like something kind of fun to do. Um, I like to talk sometimes. And, yeah. And I feel like I have a lot of knowledge about the sport. And, uh, you know, I got some good stories and just uh, I like to BS about sports in general. This stuff's kind of fun to sit around and just BS about whatever we want to BS about. It's such a it's such a cool time right now, right? Because podcasts are becoming more popular. We were just talking uh, with our last guest, uh, Elton, about how, you know, you take uh, like Sean Hannity on Fox News where he'll get like four million views a night. But then you have somebody like Joe Rogan who gets nine million views It has nobody controlling what he says or what he does. And so there's like this revolution going on now where we, you can start a podcast and say whatever's on your mind and have it be unfiltered. And I think that's why podcasts are blowing up. Um, you know, I, I, uh, listened to, uh, some black Sabbath on the way to work. Yeah, go, go for it. Uh, listen to some black Sabbath on the way to work this morning. And it felt weird to listen to music because I haven't listened to music in my truck for a long time. Because if I'm in the truck, I'm, there's a podcast on, right? Ah, I need to be better at that, uh, listening to podcasts while I'm driving. I do it sometimes, but I just like listen to music still most of the time. But there's some great podcasts out there, and I never have the time to, to listen to them. And that would be the time is because I drive a lot back and forth from training, Portland to Vancouver. So I need to do more of that. All right, can I ask you some uh some stupid questions sure just from a fan okay so how much control do you have over your walkout music uh you have uh you can pick whatever song you want pretty much um i've gotten turned down a couple of times because uh what did you get turned down um there's a band called floater they're a local band right i don't uh rob is supposed to come on the podcast but his his manager is being difficult dude they're awesome so we used to always go to their shows like the crystal ballroom and all these places uh, me and my pals from when I was a kid, you know what I mean? Before I even ever started training, so I can kind of relate. I wore a floater shirt on the last podcast. What? Yeah. No way. That's yeah. crazy. A lot of people have no clue who they are, right? So um, we still go to shows. Like, they're coming to Portland, I think, May 18th, the night I fight. My buddy's like, I got his tickets. I'm like, oh, no fight way. that night, dude. Uh, or maybe that's a different show, but he's talking that's about a couple be t- shows. No, it is May 18th is when they're coming to town. Right. So I'm going to miss that. I'm bummed a little bit. but uh, Well, I'll probably know. miss it, too. I think I'm going to watch it <laughs> 
Um, so, you know, they turned down one of Floater's song, Cinema, because it comes out. It's it's like too hard. It's like, lick the open wound. Oh, dude, that's lick it, lick perfect. It, right? And it's like, what? Like, yes, he Dana White is the one who turned it down. He said it was too hard or something, I guess. Oh. Too hard? Or maybe it was a copyright thing. I don't know, dude, but that's, that's what I was told. That's the perfect walkout song. Um, since they're, they've always been kind of like anti-mainstream, maybe yeah. they don't have the rights to play Floater's music. I don't know. Um, well, we'll have to have Rob on to talk about it. Yeah. Tell him I, I want to come out, man. I was trying to come out to like Danny Boy or something, you know, <laughs> have some fun. Uh, but have you heard their new album? I think I have. Uh, really freaking Rainier good. Fog. Is that uh, the new album? I think it is. I got um, it. No, like that. that's, no, that's somebody L- else. Look it up. What's the, what's the new Floater album? All right, let's see here. Uh, so what else did they turn down? <clears throat> um, what else did they turn down? You know, they'll turn down like rap music if it's got too many swear words and stuff or any music if it's got too much cussing in it. I think it was just like some hardcore stuff that they turned down. Like I've came, out to, their site, yeah. I've came out to some rap, um, you know, came out to Dead Prez a couple of times and they're, they're kind of dirty, you know, the yeah. stuff they say, but they got some pretty awesome songs. Um, I can't remember what else they turned down. You know, I came out to Pantera my last fight though. Um, gosh, I saw I, that, yeah. Forgot the name of the song, um, but I thought they were going to turn that down, and they they uh, they let that go. Um, I I tried to come out to uh, um, the Hulk Hogan song. I am a real American. Yeah. I forgot what it's called. When I was fighting the this Russian guy, and uh, I think it was just a mix up. But I was set to come out to that song. It got approved, and when I came out, they played my old song from the time oh. before. So I don't know if it got ixnated at the last minute or if it was just a mistake by whoever Dude, does that. that. Um, that would have been perfect if you fought a been, Russian. Yeah, it would have been perfect, right? Um, so I know Chael did that. We, me and him fought in Japan together. We were super young. He came out to that song in Japan. That was pretty fun. <laughs> you know what I mean? How did the crowd take it? I don't I don't remember. I'm sure we got a reaction out of him. Uh, the Thief. That's what it's called. Oh, yeah, 2018. Oh, yeah. I'm good. sure I've heard some songs off of it because a couple of my pals are always jamming it, but not songs that i have like memorized like the old school stuff that's crazy that uh they they thought that was too hard because uh i'm a big music fan and uh i think about that all the time if i were to fight what would be be my walkout song um do you know cavalier uh so does how big i mean when you're when you're walking out and you hear your music does that help i mean is it is it part of your strategy is you want to hear certain songs you see a lot of fighters they'll be rapping along with the music and they're getting psyched up i think it's just um makes you feel more comfortable and maybe get out of your own head a little bit you're kind of like feeling your rhythm you know a lot of times it's a song that i'll be listening to a lot that training camp just like it'll be like on my playlist and for some reason i'm listening to this song more than i had in the past and i'm just feeling it and that's the song i'll choose so um, it kind of pumps you up you get you hear your your song start you're like yeah "Yeah, let's go Uh," you're like yeah trying to whether you get pumped up or you like to rap along and be kind of relax you, I think everybody enjoys coming out to their music for sure. How big a how big of a difference, if at all, does the venue have? <clears throat> uh, not really any difference. Um, you know, the walkouts kind of always the same. You don't really look a whole lot up into the crowd. You're kind of looking straight ahead, maybe slapping some hands on the way out. Um, and then when you're in the cage, too, I'm, like, zoned in. I'm not thinking mm-hmm. about uh, the venue, how big, how small. It's all the same, really. Uh, it's nice. Does it have, ever get routine? 
Like being in the ring for a fight? Um, you know, maybe yes and no. Yes, in a good way. I try to make it like a routine. Like, this is no big deal. This is another day at the office. Try not to put too much pressure on myself like that. You know, make it mm -hmm. a routine. Um, but not like where I'm kind of uh, trying to think of the right word. Uh, where I play it off like it's not a big deal. Like, you know, it's not... Uh, that doesn't make sense, really. But <laughs> well, you, I mean, you, I, I only ask it a different way. Do you still get nervous every time you enter? I do still get nervous, yeah. And so I feel how to harness it different ways. You know, sometimes I do better with the nerves. Sometimes they can take control of you and you don't perform as well. So try to harness those the right way. And that, again, is where it comes to trying to kind of be like, hey, it's just another day at the office. Mm -hmm. I win or lose. It doesn't matter. The same people who matter are going to be there for me. Um, yeah, I'm not going to make as much money, but I got to go into this knowing that that's a possibility so I can't let that stuff get in my head. And have you ever struggled with confidence? Absolutely. You know, as an athlete, you know, especially competing one-on-one, -on -one, there's nobody there to save you. Um, when I had lost a couple <coughs> fights or had injuries or stuff like that, definitely. But you got to get your mind right when you're there, whether you're nervous or whatever, you got to try to psych yourself out. Even if you... Maybe you aren't going to win, or you, there's no chance you have. You got to like trick yourself and think that you can. Sure. Um, and just like, you know, kind of just get into that game. Well, it's interesting you say that because I was, as I was listening to you talk, I was thinking, you know, that's the one field that you can't fake it till you make it, right? Right, right, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, even if you are feeling a little bit unconfident, you have to like snap out of it and try to figure out a way to get in your own head and fix that. Otherwise, you're screwed. You don't have a chance. And, you know, like I said, I've lost fights mentally before the fight even started, you know? Mm -hmm. um, not like 100%, but definitely uh, if I look back on them, different fights where I'm like, man, if I just you know, was in a little better shape, I'd have been a little more confident or whatever. What uh, kind of two questions? When they bring you out, give you the final instructions, uh, what, what's kind of going through your head at that point? And then for me, when I'm watching, say, you or you know, somebody else, some of the, like, I loved watching Uriah Faber coming up. And as soon as they, like, they're saying, get ready, like, I got butterflies going on because, like, I got a vested interest in this. So <laughs> what, yeah. what's kind of going through your head at that point, if anything? You know, um, they don't always bring you to the center. Um, sometimes they don't. You, you get The other guy gets in the cage, you know, whatever. They close the door. The ref looks at you, looks at him, let's fight. They don't always bring you to the center. So, Interesting. Um, <clears throat> you know, I'm ready to go at that point. I'm ready to rock at that point. My uh, my mind is right usually about that point. I'm in the cage. Um, you're ready for war. Or you're war. thinking, it's too late to get out of this thing now. <laughs> <laughs> they already locked the gate. <laughs> Are you, you know, I've had a few, you have a few weird thoughts that sneak in. Like, I could just jump over the wall and run out of here. You know, or, or what if I slipped, you know, and I'm injured, I can't fight. You know, it's weird, like instant thoughts that go and, and they go away too really quickly. It's like weird little thoughts or you're in the locker room, you know, and you're going, why in the hell do I do this? This is the last time I'm ever doing this. I'm so nervous. Cut all this weight. This is miserable. You know, do the, the, fan, do the fans ever fuck with your head? No, like I said, when I was a little younger, I'd let some of the hate get to me a little bit. But now I've realized even when you go out there and do awesome, people are still like, you're, you're ugly. You're like, OK, 
Hey. <laughs> <laughs> all you got bad to say about me? <laughs> well, yeah. one of the reasons I love putting it on mute is the stupid Ric Flair thing that they do at every single fight now. They do the Ric Flair. Do it, right? I don't know. You know how Ric Flair does it? Like, his, woo! Uh, yeah, like that. Yeah, they do it through the whole fight. Who does? The fans. Do they? Yeah, next I, time you watch I, a fight. I haven't, I haven't noticed that. Yeah, it drives me nuts. The first time it's kind of funny, but then like, these guys are in the middle of a huge fight. Are they trying to distract you? I mean, what are they doing with that? You don't hear any of that when you're in there. No. <clears throat> uh, you're lucky to hear your coach's voices. You can focus on that. Um, I don't hear any outside distractions like that, not at all. What about uh, between rounds? Is it easy to listen to your coach? Uh, yeah, you, that's your, your, your coach's job is to get you to listen. You got to have that rapport with them. Um, I know when I'm in the corner and I'm coaching guys, first thing I do is I say, like, take three deep breaths. You know, focus on me, look at me, try to get them calm back down. And you can, you can only say a few words, a few things. You can't give them a whole playbook. Is it hard? Is it hard to do what your coach tells you? Like, uh, sometimes, especially yeah. Especially if they if they want you to train change what you're doing doing during the fight. Yep. You know, um, it can be, but it depends on what it is. Maybe it's something we drilled the whole camp, and I'm all of a sudden not doing it. And he's like, "Hey, why are you moving left? You're supposed to be moving right. You know, keep your left hand up." It's usually pretty simple stuff. Mm -hmm. It's not like you know, do this crazy combo with a spinning back fist that you haven't done all year. Um, so it's usually simple stuff that you can comprehend. A good coach, that's what a good coach should be giving you anyway. Um, really simple. It could be as simple as, hey, remember to breathe out there. You know, move your feet a little more. Keep your chin down. Mm -hmm. how, how is it going from, uh, especially like coaching high school wrestling, uh, the impact that you can have on those kids when you're talking to them? Do you feel like you really have their attention because of who you are? You know, uh, yeah, but a lot of the kids, they don't know who I am at first. You know, like my first year at Mountain View last year, a lot of them had no idea who I was. Some of them had an idea, but as the year went on, they're like looking on their phones and like, whoa, Coach Ed's on TV. Whoa, you got a check mark by your name on Instagram. That's so cool, you know? Like, <laughs> um, and so as the year went on, I got more respect out of a lot of them. I'm not just some other adult telling them what to do. Like I've, you know, I'm still competing. I'm still training every day. I'm on the mats with them working out. So they can respect that, you know, because a lot of coaches like got a beer belly and are standing there just telling them what to do. And um, <clears throat> I know as an athlete, I don't like that when I have an out of shape coach who doesn't do it anymore trying to coach me. Yeah. I've, you know, there's been a few over the years, like strength and conditioning coaches and different people. Um, well, that's common in boxing, isn't it? They have your, well, most of the coaches haven't boxed. Well, uh, I don't know about that, I mean, really. I don't know. It just seems like the coaches are always an older guy, well, overweight. Probably boxed back in the day, you know. Yeah. Um, whether they competed or not, some like same thing in martial arts. You'll get coaches in MMA who, a few, not most of them have fought before, but you'll have a few who never fought. You know, um, in wrestling you see that. Um, it's not very common, you know, in, mm -hmm. in in combat sports, but there's definitely a few of those people out there. Um, so, you definitely get a rapport with them, being a fellow competitor. Um, and it's funny, each year, though, we got, like, this last year, we got these new kids coming in who maybe kind of like, whatever, who's that coach? And the other kids would be like, dude, you better show <laughs> Coach Ed some respect. Be like, why? Be like, look. Look yeah. at them on their phone. Like, oh, shoot. <laughs> um, well, I, did I, I, go ahead, Red. Oh, I was just going to say uh, it carried a lot of weight for me because I chose my college based on my coach. I was a decathlete in track and field, and my coach had just gotten back from the Sydney Olympics for decathlon. 
So I was like actively every day training with a world champion. I mean, like, you know, top 15 in the world. And so like the, the weight that ca that carried that, Hey, whatever he's doing today, that's what I'm doing. Um, I just had no, uh, negative thoughts about, you know, what my coach was telling me to do. I was like, that, that's what I'm doing today. Absolutely. That's where I was like with Randy, you know, I'm mm -hmm. like, you're the world champ. You tell, I'm going to do what you're doing basically. So, um, I, I think that's huge for, for, uh, any athlete when their coach is, is still competing or competed at the highest level. Um, brings a lot of weight. Well, and just because you were a world champion doesn't mean you're going to be a good coach, right? That's true. Some, some of the guys who weren't very good or, you know, just mediocre wrestlers or mediocre boxers or never even turned pro as a boxer, um, you know, are some of the best coaches. Well, and they said that about Michael Jordan is that he wasn't a good coach because he didn't, he couldn't understand people that didn't have the gift that he had. Right. 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 Uh, I struggle with that sometimes, maybe not the gift, but the heart that I have is like my natural instincts. Like, you know, how do you just give up? I don't understand that. It's not in my DNA, mm -hmm. you know? So I have, I struggle with that. Maybe not the athleticism part. Cause again, I'm not like the most athletic person, but I have heart and just a thing you can't teach some of that will to win. And when I don't see other people have that, that's probably what I struggle with the most as a coach. Yeah. To see someone, you can't teach it. Yeah, see when someone put in all the work, you put all the work, and then they go out there and lay an egg, and you're like, I'm just confused. Like, how does that happen? I don't mm -hmm. understand. How do I work? How do I get him through that? Yeah, so that's where some mental training can come in. Some people you can help them with, you know, as an athlete, mental mm -hmm. training is important, super important. There's a lot of different techniques and different things you can do. But, yeah, I struggle with that for sure. Because that's similar in our industry with the coaches. You have – some coaches that are coaches because they couldn't make it just doing their own business, and you see that. But then you see uh, coaches that are at their peak of their career and they're coaching. And when you can get one of those, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You guys are in like the mortgage business, is yeah. that correct? Yeah, we do mortgage financing. So, okay. um, so it's, it's very much an entrepreneurial deal in our industry, you know, 100% commission. There's no limit to your success. So you have all people at all different stages in their career that you're working alongside. Um, and, and for me, coaching has been a big deal and, uh, really helped me with my career, but I've had a few different coaches and they all had different styles, but it just comes back to who can make me stick with the basics, you know, cause for me, I like to get, uh, fancy and I'm always looking for that new idea or outside the box and I'll go down a rabbit hole chasing some social media idea or let's do videos or let's do something like this. So to have a coach come back and say, that's all great, but you need to stick to the basics and do X, Y, Z every day. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just because you're going out and doing something that's fun, you're never going to get there unless you're doing the basics. Yeah. So when I'm interviewing coaches or, or getting a different coach, I look for somebody that's going to push me on the basics. So. And you, you're in the same business, Ryan? Yeah, yeah, okay. yep. How long have you guys been doing mortgage stuff or, I don't know. About yeah. the same. I got in in 04. Yeah, and I got in in 05. So yeah. 14, nice. 15 years. Yeah, so, yeah, when you're talking about your uh, stock investments in 06, we understand. Yeah, yeah one, thing, uh, one thing that I think is cool about, about you and your career is just the longevity of it. There's a lot of fighters that, you know, even when you first started fighting, like coming out of, you know, the ultimate fighter three, 
they're they're long gone. They're they're nowhere to be found. And so your I mean your record what you have thirty eight fights under your belt I think, uh, that's what your your Wikipedia <laughs> thirty eight right, twenty three right. wins fourteen losses one no contest. Yeah, and then a handful of amateur fights. I don't know if those are on there too. But yeah, um, <clears throat> but that, I mean that's a lot of professional fights. You know, and almost all of the losses are in the UFC against the best guys in the world. So, sure. Um, you know, it's kind of sad because at one point I had like a super good record. And like as years go by, it's like, you know, it's not going to be as good when I retire. But a legacy of some fighters, you know, isn't off their career. Look at Randy Couture. Like everybody remembers him as being the best. But his mm -hmm. record, he's like 15 and 9 or something, <laughs> you know. Well, it, I mean, from a fan's perspective, uh, we just want good matchups and good fights. And it's like <clears throat> what you did before isn't that important once that bell rings to a fan, at least for me. Right. But you know, like boxing, if you think about boxing, like guys are, you know, 35 and oh, they get a couple losses. That's it, mm -hmm. really. Like, yeah, no one even cares about, about them again. You know, if you really think about the way boxing, but boxers also, they pad their records a lot more than we do as MMA fighters. Like, if you look at my amateur and my career before I got in the UFC, Almost every one of the guys I fought eventually got in the UFC. So, like, everybody I fought was, you know, Top super knowledge. tough. Yeah. I didn't get, you know, maybe one or two guys who weren't very good or something in the beginning. But there's, you know, like, it's it's crazy, man. There's not a lot of padding the record in MMA. Well, and I like that, what you talked about with boxing just now. Because somebody like Floyd Mayweather, I don't think could ever make it in the UFC fighting the way he does, very defensive fighter. And there are good defensive fighters in the UFC that are fun to watch. But, you know, the fight has to be exciting in the UFC. And it seems like in boxing you can get away with being a defensive fighter and not being super exciting. Because, to be honest, I don't really like watching the Mayweather fights. They're not exciting to me. Yeah, me either. It's boring to me. Like, I, especially the way I fight, I go out there to, to finish fights. I go out there to win. I'm not trying to outpoint you, right? Mm -hmm. um, so look at the old like Hagler Hearns fights in boxing. That's the kind of stuff where they're out there trying to kill each other, trying to knock each other's heads off. Yeah. You know, that's what people want to see, man. Let's throw down it. I know there's a lot of money online, but you know, get out there and fight. Yeah, they're they're yeah. You know, I mean, the scoring is a hot thing right now, right? With the way the scoring works and the judging. And uh there's nothing worse than seeing a fight go to like a split decision as a fan, you know, because you want to see who the winner was. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I lost my last fight split decision, mm -hmm. and I think I got screwed, you know what I mean? But it's you say don't leave it to the judges, but obviously I'm trying to finish fights. People know that, um, you know, and it's just it sucks. There's some bad calls out there. There's not a lot of criteria for Do you think judges. it's going to change? Do you think they're going to change the way fights are judged? I mean, I think the judges are getting more and more experienced. For a long time, it's like the judges are – this old kickboxing guy, this mm -hmm. old boxing guy, and this guy who, you know, has been around the sport a long time or something. You're not getting, like, if you start to get more MMA, ex-MMA fighters as judges, I think that'll help a lot. Um, so it's who's weird, the, man. Who's, is, it, is it Dan? Who's the guy in FCFF that judges sometimes in the UFC? Uh, bald guy. Dave Hagan. Dave Hagan, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, I've seen him judge, and I'm like, oh, that's perfect, right? He's, he's trained, he's fought, he's been in the game. But he's still – he's a kickboxing guy originally. So oh, you yeah? still get those guys who are kind of like, ooh, that guy did land all those kicks. I'm going to give him the round. You know, which – not that that's a bad thing, but 
So it's good to have a mix. Like maybe you got an ex wrestler who's going to be thinking, oh man, he got you know all those takedowns. You know, uh, or well whatever. they're judges, which means you're going to get their opinion. Absolutely, right? it's an opinion. It is. So that's the hard part, you know. And I've lost a couple close decisions that I thought I won, and it makes a huge difference financially. And um, there's no appeal. Yeah. I mean, once that once the arms raised, it's over. Yeah, and then like I remember my last fight, I was thinking, gosh, hope the brass knows I got screwed, and they'll get like a extra bonus check in the mail. <laughs> Keeping your fingers crossed, like they feel bad for me. No, no, it nope. doesn't happen. No. Nope. Um, yeah, that's unfortunate, right? That's why I'm with my new contract. I'm gonna try to get a flat rate instead of this show and win money because mm-hmm. they know I'm gonna go out there and and lay it all on the line. Really am. So I put my body through through a lot after that last fight to walk away with the loss and then be hurt and not be able to fight for another eight months. You know, what was your injury? Just I was just banged up yeah. just from the training camp and we was a tough beat fight. the shit out of each other for 15 minutes. My hands were both swollen. Um, Mainly my hands probably kept me out the longest. What else did I have? I, I had like a split tear duct in my eye, like right, you know, next to your nose, and so I had to have like a little surgery on that. That didn't keep me out very long, but it's kind of a freak thing and just weird little stuff people don't realize you go through. Are you on your own for all the medical bills? So they cover all your medical bills from anything that happens in the fight, um, and then uh, outside of the fight. We have a like a emergency insurance policy with a it's like a thousand dollar deductible uh-huh. per incidence. So like if I blow my ACL out during pay, training camp, yeah, I I pay th- during any time. I could do it walking out of here, or whatever. I have an emergency injury insurance policy that if I get in a car wreck, whatever, thousand dollars, and then everything else is covered. All the surgeries, all the physical therapy, all that. And no, do you have to pay for that insurance, or is no? The, they pay the for the that. Yeah, so that's something okay. that comes with our contract. Um, you know, it doesn't include any financial coverage like a disability policy would or anything. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, so we got to try to put that stuff in line ourselves. So like I have a corporation, I pay myself as an employee, I have a disability thing through that, all kinds of, you know, I figured out a lot of stuff over the years on how to protect myself a little bit better. So um, I wish I knew some of that in the day, back in the day when I was out for two years with an ACL injury, I could have been, you know, getting disability or something at least, but I had to go back to bartending. That was awful. <laughs> Here, here in town or in Colorado? No, uh, here in town. Yeah, where right up until I at? moved. Um, where did I bartend? All over, man. Um, you know, some clubs downtown, some gentlemen's clubs, that kind of stuff. Um, like two hundred five. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, like the old, um, um, the old Wildcats was like a shithole off Canyon Road. And then uh, Stars only got shut down not oh, too yeah. long ago. Um, gosh, I can't even remember. I was kind of all over the place. I I was bartending at McFadden's. Remember the old oh, yeah, McFadden's? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, and then I did that. I did that too. Like before I got in the UFC, I started bouncing and bartending, which was a good gig when I was single and 23. But then uh, once I was kind of what 30 something and i had to do it again it wasn't near as fun you know what i mean Mm -hmm. Uh, i just wasn't in the same place in my life so did you guys hear about that guy that died at 205 a year or two ago he came out of 205 all drunk and then climbed up in the dumpster and fell asleep and then the dump truck came and crushed him that's crazy i was right outside at 205 man i didn't hear about that yeah it was like two years ago it was in the national news yeah that's crazy, yeah. Well, dude, uh, I appreciate you coming on 
and letting us pick your brain, man. Um, yeah, it's good, man. Uh, you know, normally for me, this is the first one we've done. I think we're about thirty-five of these in, yeah. where it felt more like an interview. Uh, but uh, I mean, from a fan to be able to sit down with a fighter as accomplished as yourself and ask him all the silly questions like, mm. uh, "How does the walkout music work?" Uh, it's been it's been a blast doing this. Now, with you guys being financial guys, do you guys have any financial advice for up-and-coming fighters, um, guys like myself? Uh, I don't know. Got to surround yourself with the right people. I think that you have to uh, you know, have financial coaches in your life. Um, build a team. Build a team of people you can trust. Um, you, know, you said you own a couple rental properties. Um, a lot of my clients um, I've worked with my whole career. Uh, as they build their portfolio and I know who their financial advisor is. I know who their insurance agent is and we communicate and we're really a team for that person. So, you know, in this industry, it's so easy to find people that are hard to trust. So, um, you know, reach out to your friends and family, um, stay away from the internet and go find somebody that's looking out for your best interest. Yeah. I mean, uh, does, uh, like when you get a contract, is the UFC giving you any advice? Are they saying like, hey, kid, like you said, <laughs> you said, I just thought the money was just going to keep rolling in. Like, is there somebody there to, to help you out? Not at first. They never did any of that. But in the last few years, they started doing uh, um, these summit meetings, summit camps. You know, we did one at Red Rock because Zufa owns Red Rock or the Fertitta brothers do, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh <clears throat> You know, uh, so they bring in financial advisors. They bring in tax people. Um, the guy from Shark Tank, they brought him in. It was kind of cool. Mark Cuban? Uh, no, uh, like the little short guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the IT guy, the, the software name. guy. What is his name? He's got kind of dark hair. Yeah, he's got that dark hair. He's a little short guy, yeah. But it was pretty cool to have him come in. So the first one they did was more like really business people who weren't like famous, you know. And the last one I did, they brought in him. They brought in like Kobe Bryant. Which was kind of ridiculous. He's like, "Yeah, you guys should invest." When I was eighteen, I just started investing. It's like, bro, you got you got like ten million dollars in your eighteen. I got like ten thousand. What do you mean invest? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. So a little bit of that was ridiculous, um, you know. But they brought in some, like Brandon Marshall came in and talked about mental health, you know. Um, so that there was a couple cool things out of that. There were some other people there too. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, <clears throat> But they bring in some goofy guys like, you know, what's the Cowboys guy, the famous Cowboys football player? Um, Emmett Smith? No, no. Uh, Michael. Uh, Michael. Strahan? Uh, Irvin? Irvin, yeah. yeah. He's coming in and like, hey, guys, you know, don't do blowing hookers like me. You should do this and that, you know. And then he tells stories about, like, doing blow on the sideline of games and stuff, like just crazy stuff, you know. And then <laughs> – you know, so they brought in some like celebrity guys to tell good stories and stuff. But there was some financial help. There is a little bit of that. There needs to be more. Yeah. Um, but it's getting better. So let me ask you a few questions uh, about that. Uh, in your contract, uh, you, let's say you get your contract for nine fights, right? Are you guaranteed those nine fights? No, they can cut you at any time. Um, in the contract, it reads so... They can cut you if you lose a fight for any reason. They can cut you if you, um, excuse me, if you do something, um, you know, embarrassing to the UFC, like a code of conduct. 
like throwing like a, like throw a dolly through <laughs> a bus window or whatever. Yeah, I mean it doesn't necessarily say that. It does list like you can't do porn, you can't do certain things like that. Um, but the code of conduct policy is a gray area, I think, for some people. You know, obviously, oh, absolutely. So if Probably you do, varies from fighter to fighter. Right? Yeah, if I did something like that, they would have enough reason to cut me. You know. Conor like, McGregor does that. They're going like this, like, mm-hmm. money. like you have drugs in the car and you yeah. get in a crash and you run away from the scene oh, yeah, of the crime yeah, and yeah. then you're fighting a yeah. month later. So <laughs> I would definitely have gotten fired for that. Um, so you know how that goes, right? In real life, that's how, how it works. It's it's not fair. Yeah. For- yeah, because that's interesting. And I can see now why it would be a good idea to, to have a corporation and have yourself as an employee, right? Because if, if you're uh, trying to buy a house, the, the lender is going to want to see that your income is going to be there, right? Yes. And usually they're looking out three years. Yes. So, for example, if, if you're using like child support, right, and the kid's 17, well, they're, we're not gonna, they're not going to give you – they're not going to use that as income because when that kid turns 18, you're not going to get that child support anymore. So it would be the same thing from a fighter. It's like how do we know that you're going to be able to pay the mortgage? Yeah, so that's been a struggle over the years. I was filing like sole proprietor, and you're paying self-employment tax. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, say I make 150 grand that year, I'm claiming like 30. So then I go to get a loan, like, whoa, you only made 30 grand, dude. Like, yeah, because you're writing off all your expenses. Yeah, and you can't everything. get a loan on a $500,000 house. What are you thinking? Yeah. You know, so now with a corporation, um, you know, I can show those corporate books, which seems to help. Um, actually, I'm working on some loan stuff right now, so hopefully it works out for the best because the last couple of years I haven't made that much money. So on my personal taxes, I still claim barely anything, mm-hmm. but you're able to show your finances from that corp and like show the the all the money you made. I don't know how it works exactly. I'm well, kind of learning. It, it's people like you that uh, are suffering the most from the repercussions of the guideline changes from the mortgage collapse, right? Because yeah, there, there were the, the stated income and all these loans that are blamed for collapsing the, the whole thing were designed for people like you, right? Um, and not, not for somebody, not for a stripper or a pizza delivery guy. Right, right. Um, yeah, so it's, it's kind of always been tough with loan stuff um, mm-hmm. and finances in that sense. But I think I, think I got it figured out. I just got to make a little bit more money to make it make more sense. Yeah. Um, Cause then like this last year I didn't use my corp at all because I didn't fight, you know? So um, I didn't pay myself through my corp. I, I actually worked last year for half the year and, uh, and then just did my corp for like the last four months after I made real money one after I fought. So as far as business expenses go, does the UFC pay for uh, like your flight out to the fight and all that stuff like surrounding the fight? Yeah. So they pay for uh, your flight out there and one corner guy and they pay for one hotel room for you and your corner man to share. There's a female fighter. You get two hotel rooms, um, you know, because normally the coaches are males or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, If you want extra guys, you got to pay for that. So I usually fly an extra corner or two out get an extra room or two for them. And that's all, you know, costs out of my pocket. But again, you know, if you are doing your taxes right, that's, you know, can be right. That's obviously all right off. Um, But but people don't understand. They say, oh, you made $100,000, but hey, I got to pay, you know, all these different coaches. I got three different coaches I'm paying 5%. I got, you know, all these costs for training camp. I got this, I got that. 
you know, I wasn't making any other money during training camp really, you know, so that's, um, yeah, people don't understand all that goes into that. Well, hopefully the, the way things are trending continue with the UFC where there's more money, right? Absolutely. And this hopefully this ESPN deal helps, uh, a ton. Um, yeah, I don't see why, uh, I mean, ES, we're on ESPN. That's big time, man. Uh, it's a real deal. Like yeah. How, I've been years. I've been going, one of these days we'll be on ESPN. Watch this. And people are like, yeah, right. You know, even the ESPN people probably. Well, what's crazy is you're on the UFC's on ESPN, but a lot of it, it has to be streamed. Yeah. It's like a new app or some kind of weird Yeah, the ESPN channel. plus. Yep. Yeah. What's the deal with that? Yeah. You have to pay $5 a month, but I'll tell you what the, uh, did your headphones just go out? My headphones just went out. Uh, I'll tell you what the fight nights have been way better. The cards have been way better on ESPN than uh, before when they were on Fox. Really? Yeah. Huh. I mean, uh, I think that the fight nights so far have been better than the pay-per-views. Just who's on the cards. You know, I think that's kind of random. You'll have like a bunch of guys you don't know who they are, but then you'll have just great fights. So but there's harder. been big names on these fight nights. Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I don't maybe, know if you can pull them up, Ryan, but. Maybe since it's ESPN, they're kind of coming at it with a different strategy. I think so. You know, but and also you're paying five dollars a month to watch them if you if on the, for the streaming I paid it. that's i'm getting billed monthly because i watched uh, that first one what was it like two months ago or something yeah, uh, yeah. The, the, the very first one i think was the nagano uh i think that was a fight night yeah i don't uh, that was <laughs> that was a free fight that nagano um uh we just talked about it the last nagano fight was free yeah, I mean, that's great. There's going to be a, I think, wasn't there one on actually ESPN channel too? Yeah. So that's that's pretty cool too, right? I mean. Yeah, the last Cerrone fight, I think he fought the first one that was on ESPN. Okay. And it was weird because you had to watch some of the prelims and stuff on the streaming and then some on the hmm. on the regular ESPN. And then so you, had, you were switching back and forth. I think they've got that figured out. It's either one or the other. Okay, good. The, the cool thing on the ESPN Plus, though, is uh, you go to it and you can watch all the pre-shows, post-shows, all the fights. It's it's all there to be streamed. Mm -hmm. How is it different than uh, the Fight Pass, UFC Fight Pass? You can't. You don't have the archives. So, like, I couldn't go back and watch all of Ed Herman's fights oh, on yeah. ESPN like Plus. The fight Pass, you have all the archive fights. You got different yeah. shows from di different uh, organizations they have on there now. Yeah, and Fight Pass, there there's some. There were some uh, fight nights that were only on Fight Pass, but they were very few. Yeah. Um, uh, so they, there's more live shows on that ESPN yeah. uh, three than there is on Fight Pass. Yeah. Plus, you can watch all the women's basketball <clears throat> on the ESPN Plus. <laughs> oh, there you go. Because <laughs> I was looking, and there's all this. You can, I mean, all so there's sorts a bunch of, of stuff on the ESPN Plus. Yeah, it's, it's not, not just, just MMA. Okay. It's ever. It's all sports. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really where it's going is the streaming. Uh, and I, I got the DAZN, which is a horrible name. Uh, DAZN's a, a streaming app uh, for, like, a lot of the Bellator fights are going on there now. Uh, a lot of the boxing huh, is on that DAZN. D-Z-N or something stupid. <laughs> um, so, you know, and a lot of fighters now have something that you didn't have. We're talking going back to that financial advice mm -hmm. is they have podcasts and they have social media, and there's no reason why you can't get on there and educate yourself where you didn't have that 10 years ago. You didn't have that five years ago. But you can get on and, and listen to people talk about how to set yourself up and Absolutely. do all that. So, yeah, there's a lot of great stuff out there. Just 
some stuff on the radio even there's a couple guys yeah. you listen to and you just get some good advice mm-hmm. that everybody needs um and and financially it's another outlet for guys to make a little bit of coin too um if people want to hear you talk yeah or a lot of coin a lot of coin chill does very well with his podcast from what i've heard i bet um and you wouldn't think that when he told when i was told the number i can't even remember what it was but i remember being like what yeah holy cow because is, is his podcast on youtube See if yeah. you can find that right i'm pretty sure it is because he does like a live video and yeah you know He's got a bunch of big sponsors, you know, um, and he's he's actually really good. He reads all the ads himself, and it's hilarious. Like, I sat there in one of his podcasts, and, man, he's like a natural at it. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable, so. Oh, it's perfect. Do we lose internet? Yeah, we're good. All right. Um, we should probably get this wrapped up anyways, right? Oh, my dad has a question. All right, all right. Um, I love it. We're taking <laughs> this. Hey, I think this is the first time we've this had a live, is, yeah. a, a, a live question. You know, and what I love about the most about the UFC is it's it's the one thing my dad and I do together. I mean, that's that's our deal. That's cool. Uh, every pay per view, he comes over for fight nights. You know, pay, if it's a good pay per view, we'll cook a prime rib. Bringing families together. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, are the fighters going to see any of that extra money? Uh, the popular ones. <laughs> um. Oh, uh, so he said, uh, uh, what does he think about the networks charging monthly subscription fees for non-pay-per-view? I think we just kind of answered that. but Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if it gets more people watching it, yeah. then awesome. If So if it gets more people watching, that's what I want for people to be fans of the sport. And Stop crying, Dad. Just pay the $5. Yeah, <laughs> yep. pay the $5, man. Maybe it'll help us out in the long run. So. Well, you know, I think ESPN's smart. It's it's too bad they can't do both. It's too bad you can't have a fight on ESPN and be streaming it at the same time, right? Because Why? then I have it. Because then I have a choice, right? But if I don't know about ESPN Plus or if I don't go on there and pay the five dollars, I'm going to miss the fight. So you're losing all those fans. You're losing the channel surfers, right? I'm just sitting cruise. Oh, there's a fight. I'm going to watch yep, it. Yep. You, you lose all that. Yeah, that's true. Um, uh, and that's why I liked when they were on Fox is because I knew exactly what the schedule was. I knew, you know, when a fight was going to be on and I could set my DVR. Uh, I don't, I haven't figured out if you can DVR any of these fights. Don't like you can't pause it. Because uh, if my dad's coming over, I'll, he'll come over an hour late and we'll start recording it so that we can fast forward through the commercials and stuff. You can't do that. Huh, okay. uh, so, I mean, there, there are downsides, but um, if I'm not home, I can stream it on my phone. I can stream it to a hotel TV if they have that option. So you can watch it on the go. I, I think there's there's pros and cons, but I think everything's going streaming. You know, I think the days of DirecTV and Comcast and all that's they're going away. I hope so. I hate Comcast. They charge too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And well, and it's like uh, uh, we've been watching Yellowstone, uh, the Kevin Costner series, series, yeah. and. There's two commercials, one for like Verizon and one for uh, the Rattlesnake Tacos at Taco Bell. And they force you to watch it. You can't fast forward because I'm watching them on demand. All right. And so you're stuck watching the same stupid Taco Bell commercial like five or six times. You can't fast forward. And I'm like, why am I paying all these guys all this money? (laughs) Surprisingly, (laughs) Cody's eaten Taco Bell four times in the last week. (laughs) They got you, man. They got you. No, no. Um, My bad, you know, actually Comcast isn't that bad. Dish is the one that I don't like because I'm forced to have it where I live out in the country. I can't even have Comcast. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I would say switch to DirecTV, but they're no better. It's, 
it, it's all tough. Yeah. So uh, you, where do you live out in the country? Um, I live uh, out by Fargo Lake area, like yeah. north of Battleground. Yeah. For the time being, but we're actually going to get ready to sell our house here pretty soon um, and move back kind of into Vancouver. We're just too busy to live out that far right now. Mm -hmm. And just, we're not, we don't have time to enjoy the property. Unfortunately, I thought we'd be like out there riding four wheelers and having fun, but it's like, let's go weed whack today. Yeah, it's more of a chore. Yeah. Yeah, that's what my, one of my buddies are like, dude, why are you still in a subdivision? It's like, dude, I go a million miles an hour. Yeah, I just don't have the time. I don't want to be in like a tight subdivision, but I'd like to have like an older neighborhood with some trees and a mm-hmm. little like a big yard at least, you know. Some of these new subdivisions, like I want to be able to pee in my backyard without someone calling the cops on me. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what about outside of, of MMA? I mean, are, do you, I mean, do you have anything going on, any hobbies? Or? You know, I used to, but now, like, my life revolves around my kids, you yeah. know, so that's kind of my hobby. Like, they're playing sports, their activities, school, all that. So it's like any time I have, I'm with my kids going to some sporting stuff or helping them with their homework. Um, you know, I do enjoy, like, hanging with my buddies and, like, riding four-wheelers. And in the summertime, we get out on the boats you know, the Columbia River's awesome. The, yeah. the lake's up north. I mean, there's, I love the outdoors. Um, I'll go camping a couple times a year if I can. Um, but uh, definitely any chance I get in the summer, I'm out on the boat, you know, or pulling the kids behind the tube and having a good time. Right. Is there any excitement there for knowing that you're towards the tail end of your career of having to, that, to let that go and fill that time with other things? Uh, yes and no. Uh, having this type of career has gave me a, a lot of uh, opportunity schedule-wise to where I can make my own schedule. Um, but again, like during training camp, I'm so beat down and tired, I, I can barely play with my kids, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to being maybe less physically uh, demanding, you know, a job that's less physically demanding or whatnot. So I can. No, I don't know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably the most physical yeah. demanding job there is. So, you know, something, uh, even if I did get in a fire department, they're still, still physically demanding, but not yeah. quite the same. Um, <clears throat> but again, that's why I like that schedule too. It's similar to what I'm on now, really, or not similar, but you know, just being able to control what's going on. Um, so yeah, I look forward to retiring, hanging out with my kids more and being kind of a normal guy again and, um, <clears throat> you know, doing some normal things. Well, so, I'm excited to watch your next your next run, man. Yeah, I'm not done yet, man. Let's get I some sold, money. I got some money to make. And, uh, so tell I, me about this guy you're fighting. Patrick Cummings. He's okay. Division One wrestler. He's 38 years old, so same age as me, which is cool. It's not super young, athletic dude like <laughs> we were talking about. Yeah. Uh, tough guy, you know. Um, he's got a good attitude. He's a funny guy, so we'll have some fun bantering back and forth a little bit. But you, you see these guys getting all fired up and angry. and It's kind of fun finding somebody – who you don't dislike, really, or, mm-hmm. you know. So we're like, yeah, let's touch gloves and make some money. Smiling, have a beer afterwards. Yeah. Good times. You know what I mean? So it'll be fun to fight a guy again like that, unless he changes his tune and starts being a jerk. I don't know. That's fine, too, whatever. Uh, I think we'll have a good fight and have fun out there getting after each other. Um, it's a good matchup for me. I'm better than him everywhere. Maybe he's got a little bit of wrestling on me, but everywhere else – you know, I think I'm way better than him. Is he coming off a win or a loss? He's coming off a couple losses, at least one as well. So we're both kind of um, in the same boat there. Where we got to prove that we still belong. 
and they were still relevant. Being 38 years old, coming off losses, you know, um, definitely something we got to prove. So that's on May 18th, and is uh, uh, is that a fight night? Yeah, I don't even know. Don't? I think it's one of the ESPN ones. Okay, I believe it's in Rochester. Nice. Um, you know, I get paid the same either way, so I don't really pay attention that to that. Like if it's a fight night or whatnot. Um, <clears throat> But yeah, May 18th, tune in. It's going to be a good time. Uh, you know, it's going to be a good scrap. New and, York. And yeah, and then New York's a whole new, it's a new thing, right? It's only a couple of years it, there's been UFC in, the, in New York. I'm excited to fight in New York. I mean, it's Rochester. It's not like it's New York City, but yeah. uh, it's still New York. It's been, you know, illegal to fight there for however many years, so it's cool. It'll be one of the places I've never fought. Maybe I'll have some time to go see the city afterwards or something. Um, <clears throat> but uh, that'll be fun. Uh, bummer for my buddies who would like to come watch me fight. Mm-hmm. Last two have been like East Coast, so it's kind of tough for f- friends and family to get all the way out there. Um, but, you know, it's all good. They can cheer me on. You know, I know there's tons of uh, house parties and people getting together, local bars where everybody's oh, out yeah. here cheering for me. I run into people all the time like, oh, man, my my whole bar was full and everybody's cheering your name or my whole house and they don't even necessarily know me. So all the people who do know me, guys I went to high school with, you know, guys that I may even forgot that I knew, they are still there cheering me on, you know, or like running into Ryan and he's well, like, yeah, man, we've been cheering you on for years. And totally. I'm like, awesome, dude. That's great. I but, love to hear that. But what's so awesome is, is I don't get excited for your fights necessarily because you're from our hometown and went to our high school. I get excited for because you're a badass fire to watch. Right. Appreciate right. So that. it's like you get both. You get both, and it helps. You know, hometown mm-hmm. guy, you kind of get a little extra cheer. Because Rick Story's a hometown guy. Right. Yeah. You know, he is. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, the last fight I remember is that Cerrone fight where he got worked over pretty good. Yep. Yep. He just retired recently. Uh, Rick trained with us for a little while here at the end of his career. Um, but yeah, man. Like I said, I can feel all that energy. Even though I don't know it, like all the people hollering for me and yelling at the TV uh, and supporting me all these years, all the local people and the people, you know, who aren't local. Uh, it's huge, man. It means more than people realize. Um, I think as MMA fighters, we're some of the most accessible athletes. You can come up to us and talk to us. You run into people all the time. Like you said, you saw Dana White and talk to him. Yeah. Um, so... That's awesome for the fans too. So don't be afraid to come up and say hi if you see me somewhere. Um, uh, drawing a blank on his name, but I I love meeting UFC fighters. Uh, and who's the the fighter that got in the hit by a train? Matt Hughes. Matt Hughes. Oh, yeah, I got to meet was, Matt Hughes because uh, he had his own hunting show. I think at the time, and he was at a hunting convention I was at. So I got to meet him, um, and I was so excited to meet him and then uh my buddy i was with we get up to him the first thing he says is oh all day cody's been talking about how he can kick your ass i'm like dude don't say that to one of my freaking idols uh but yeah he was and i that was maybe a year before he got got his accident but that's been incredible to watch him come back from that and see him ringside yeah it's pretty sad actually uh because he was talking about fighting again before that he was yeah Mm mm-hmm um, let's see. Yeah, Matt. I got mixed feelings about Matt. He is. I'm sorry for what happened to him. It's really sad. Oh, yeah. But he's kind of a dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, 
if you notice, I didn't say he was super nice to me. Yeah, I was going to say, right. I was wondering how he reacted to you. He's not a real friendly guy. Well, and I was like, was he not friendly because of that comment my no, buddy made? Or he just, just wasn't? Dick. When I watched him on his hunting show, he, he kind of does come off like a dick to everybody. Yeah. Yeah, that's how he always came off to me. Um, I almost fought him one time before I got in the UFC. I was running my mouth, had a few drinks. Uh, <laughs> I beat up one of his teammates, and we had some words. And I was, like, young and big chip on my shoulder. I don't care who you are, Matt. He is, let's go. Like, ready to fight him at the dinner table. Wow. And, you know, we never really liked each other a whole lot since then. We had a common respect for each other, I think. But I just always remember that, being a young kid and almost fighting Matt Hughes at some random place. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um he would have yeah. stomped me, I'm sure. But, <laughs> but you know who was? I, I started off the podcast by talking about this, but uh, I was shocked at how nice Dana White was. I mean, he didn't know us, and he, he and I felt bad because he was walking out the door and he talked to us for maybe five minutes, mm-hmm. five ten minutes, and actually held a conversation. And uh, I felt bad because we were done. I walked away. I turned around. There's just a line behind us. I'm like, oh, oh right. Now yeah. he's going to have to do it, you yeah. know. And he got out of there, but. Just super friendly and took the time to talk to a, to a couple fans. He's yeah. a he's a real dude, you know what I mean. He maybe he grew up with some money or something, but he grew up, you know, I think in Boston and spent a lot of time in Vegas. Like he's you know he knows the streets. He he's a real dude. He's not some fake ass dude. Yeah. Um, yeah. Self made, definitely self made. I mean, his story is awesome. Yeah, I mean, totally self made. In where he's at, he's you know uber rich and super important and has a has an awesome company that he's helped build. I mean, pretty amazing what he's done for the sport of MMA. For sure. For sure. All right. You guys ready to wrap this thing up? Yeah. yeah. Can I thank a couple sponsors? Oh, dude, yeah. Uh, plug, plug away, man. Thank all your sponsors. Just again, Garden of Life. Always been there for me. Why Check. don't you pull that, that, their website up, Garden of Life? Yep. They make oh, amazing make it, supplements. Plug it back in. Um, vitamins, all kinds of stuff, you know. They do a lot of, like, vegan and, and plant-based stuff, which is good for people, and they do some whey protein and stuff as well. Uh, but they're just amazing people, man. They've been by me through thick and thin. Uh, OMG Meal Prep is a local company out of Portland. They hooked me up with my meal prep, and during fight camp, it's pretty awesome. Because I've heard I about them before. Just yeah. take it with me or I have them in the fridge at the gym, you know. It makes it so much easier. Sometimes I don't eat because I don't have the time to stop and eat. You know, or I didn't pack a lunch, so having that is is really awesome. Uh, what was else? that? What was that called? That company? Um, OMG Meal Prep. And they do, will they do it for just anybody? Yeah, they do it for anybody. Yeah, they have a couple drop off spots around town. Um, you know, and uh, the lady who runs it is a local bodybuilder, uh, fitness model, and uh, you know, she's into. Um, <clears throat> health and fitness and you can't ask she's a trainer and stuff so i mean you can't ask for anything more yeah with the knowledge wise you get and their food's great too some of these meal prep companies the food's awful like i've had a couple of them i've worked with and their their food is awesome so check them out um who else man core elements is a massage and chiropractic guy that i work with local guy uh over in southeast portland uh super cool guy um, him and his wife have a great little business there. They help me out a ton, so really appreciate them. Um, there's probably some other people too, but those are definitely the the top the top people who have my back. I've been around for a while. Well, perfect. And uh, what about uh, Twitter, Instagram? 
Yeah, you can check out, you know, I have Twitter. I'm not as active on Twitter as I used to be. It's Ed Herman UFC. Uh, my Instagram, I'm probably the most active. That's the same, I believe, Ed Herman UFC. And then, you know, I'm on Facebook. Uh, my fan page is like Ed Short Fuse Herman. And then I have a regular one, too. That's just Ed Herman that I'm a little more active with. Okay. So feel free to hit me up, message me. Um, I'm going to try to post fun stuff on there that people enjoy checking out. I'm not the best at it, but I'm getting better. Well, not to go back to it, but that's one thing that ESPN I think is kind of promising is a lot, of, a lot more of the behind the scenes, right? So, uh, you know, and I don't know if there's money there. Like, what if uh, the UFC does stuff with you behind the scenes where they maybe film your fight camp? Do you get paid for any of that? No, you get paid for none of that, as far as I know. Um, I think it would just help with, with just visibility. Yeah. yeah. So in your contract, you know, that you signed, you have certain media obligations. Um, you have to do you know depending on who you are how much you do of them mm -hmm. like i don't have a lot to do usually so <laughs> not anymore back in the day i did a lot more but and i forgot to mention healthy roots hemp products they're awesome they make some great cbd stuff that help a lot of athletes uh stay pain-free and not have to use stronger medications and more addictive medications that different athletes have gotten addicted to over the years so cbd is a huge thing for a lot of people moving forward um a lot of different ways, you know, sick kids, dogs, all yeah. kinds of crazy. Do you wish stuff. you would have had that back when you started with CBD? Had access to that? Um, yeah, I think so. Um, it definitely would have helped a little bit. Uh, again, now that I'm older, I have more aches and pains, so I think I would I use it more now than I mm -hmm. would have back then. Um, I never had any addiction issues with painkillers or anything. Thank God, like other athletes have. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, they make some great stuff, man. Um, tinctures, dog treats, bath balm, you know. They make CBD dog treats? They make CBD dog treats, yeah. So a lot of people are using CBDs uh, for different issues they have with their dogs, like seizure stuff is probably the biggest really? one. Um, a lot of dogs have issues with seizures, and people are using, uh, you know, CBDs to help control that and, and pain management and anxiety. Dogs get anxiety and do goofy stuff mm -hmm. like chew on their foot or tear your house up that can definitely help with that mm -hmm. yeah i know a little bit about that <laughs> well cool well dude thanks again for coming on uh you know if you anytime you're always welcome maybe after your fight if you want to come back on that would be great too but uh do I look forward to your fight may 18th espn awesome. yeah uh, all right follow us on instagram twitter and uh we'll see you next time right Take on care. thanks ed